Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear, Q Know Your Gear, Know Your Gear, say it twice as fast, Know Your Gear, live podcast number 188. How you guys doing? I hope you had a great week. Uh, and uh, I see there's already a bunch of you on and uh, a couple things that kind of talk about always is first when we start the show uh if you're uh, watching the rebroadcast i take the time to timestamp all the things we discuss that are relevant or at least were notable and uh, so you can go right to them especially the title of whatever the uh, the video ends up being uh if you want to stream it as a podcast it's on spotify and itunes and and soundcloud and you know, iHeartRadio and all that stuff. And uh, I appreciate you guys when you when you do that as well, or if you do that, whichever method you have. And uh, if you want to ask me a question or get my attention, please start with a question mark first. That let me know as you're talking to me. A lot of people like to come every Friday and talk to each other, which is great. But, uh, you know, I, I need to know if you're talking to me about a subject or a question. So just put the question mark first. And uh, we have a lot to discuss this week. It was a, It was an interesting week. Uh, let me, <laughs> let me start with the hot ones challenge. Uh, so I told you guys last Friday that Saturday, the following Saturday, I was going to do a hot ones challenge with my kids. They, they wanted me to do it. It was horrible and not in the way you think. Uh, it, uh, I was my fault. I'm taking responsibility for this. What happened was I ordered the wings from a restaurant. We didn't actually do the hot one sauces. I, I just ordered, you know, some wings from a, a, a local restaurant. So I got jalapeno, habanero, uh, ghost pepper wings, all this stuff. And my wife's parents were, were here because uh, her dad was helping me. Or I shouldn't say, he's not helping me. He was doing it. He did the electrical in the shop and because uh, he's an electrician. And um, anyways, uh, they don't do spicy food. So we got them uh, some just some regular wings, not, not spicy. Long story short, because it's a very long, very horrible, boring story, uh, I ordered the wings. Uh, I did it. Uh, and I talked to the girl on the phone, told her what we were doing, how important it is. My wife went and picked them up. My wife asked her to make sure she, you know, my wife asked, did you label everything? It's everything's good to go. The girl said, yes. My wife tipped her. We got the wings to the house or, and they didn't label any of the wings. We had no idea what was what. <laughs> so, uh, that was very frustrating, very stressful. And, uh, and so we called the restaurant and they told us that they don't label food. Uh, so that's just their policy. They don't label food. Um, even to talk to the manager, he said the same thing. He said, uh, basically, he said, uh, if you look at them, I can tell you what they are. So he had me smelling the wings and doing stuff. And after a while, I was like, am I just breathing on everybody's food? Uh, this sounds just horrible. So I got off the phone with him. And uh, here's the irony of it, folks. So... Uh, my buddy Eric and my kids and me, all four of us sat down to do the wing challenge. We sorted out the wings in the order we thought they should go and they were all wrong. <laughs> so none of the wings were hot. In fact, what we thought was ghost pepper ended up just being hot wings. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty, uh, horrible. So what, here's what happened. I did order the hot ones, the official hot ones sauces. They're downstairs. So I haven't opened them yet. So we're going to do it again. And this time with the real sauces and do it ourselves. So that was, uh, that was the, uh, the, uh, and plus, you know, it was dumb the way I did it. Cause I ended up paying a fortune for the wings. Cause I bought them increments of fives, you know, to get all the sauces. And, um, so it was like a hundred dollars in wings. What a waste. And the, and the worst part is all of them tasted horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned my lesson as sometimes we do. 
<laughs> Sometimes we do. Okay, uh, so a couple things. I have some pinned questions from you guys leaving questions before the show started. Uh, let me get to them uh, in a real fast and talk about a couple of those. I got one from, uh, I think it's Alien 8, Alien B8. I don't know, something like that. It's the, it says, uh, hey, Phil, do you still have the hot rod uh, red strat with the rosewood neck? I picked uh, up the Sunburst one last Saturday, and it is insane. I still have that guitar, uh, but... Uh, do I have my, I do, uh, but I also have a blue one. This is my uh, uh, Daphne blue solid rosewood neck guitar. This is an American professional. The other one, the red one, is an American standard. And normally, I like the professional neck more than the standard neck already. But on my red one, that neck is super, super small. In fact, um, if you're into small necks, it's the best fit small Fender neck I've ever played. However, I'm just not into the smaller necks. So um, I have both, but I play the blue one. So, yes, and they are amazing. Uh, Nashville, Nashville Sunrise says, uh, do you feel like the guitar market is starting to soften? Uh, a little, uh, although, you know, you got to understand like Sweetwater just posted they, their Black Friday was up 52%. That's an insane uh, amount of gains. And especially since what I've seen them doing um, and, and online as a whole and sales as a whole. But yeah, I think the guitar, well, it's, it's a double whammy. Hold on, excuse me. Um, it's a double whammy. Here's the double part. I think interest in the guitar purchasing is dropping just a little right now. I think we're all just kind of little, you know, it's the holidays, but I think that's fading down a little bit to where it was at the peak at the COVID, uh, at the peak of the spending of COVID, I mean. And, but also the availability of availability of guitars is at all time lows, I feel. So although I think that, yeah, demand is coming down just a hair, I think that it still doesn't represent that way because of the fact that the supply is still low. So that's my personal thoughts. That's just what I noticed. I noticed that, um, you know, a lot of you, when I talk to you, aren't as eager to buy guitars right now as you were just a few months ago. Not as crazily as I should say. However, I'm also noticing there's not as much supply. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it's softening in the uh, demand, but the supply is also still soft. So I think that's why we're not seeing it. So we'll see. Well, hopefully it won't happen. Hopefully we'll just the industry will just stay this strong. Uh, okay, Robert Mims said, Hey, Phil, I'm trying to decide between the two seven-string guitars. Uh, tired of having a six-string and drop. A, I think that's an A. <laughs> when I copy-paste this over into my notes uh, thing, I never thought about the fact that the print's too small. Uh, sorry, I can't share the link, so it's fine. He's talking about the Ibanez RG uh, 742FM, which is a flame top 742, or the Jackson uh, Dinky DK, bunch of letters and numbers, AF7MS. I've owned the Jacksons. I've owned the Ibanezes. They're both really good. I prefer the Ibanezes. Uh, I don't have an alliance to one brand or the other when it comes to that stuff. Just me personally, I like the uh, Ibanez neck just a little bit more for the seven string than than the uh, Jackson. But, um, you know, that's just my preference. That's all I'm giving you. Uh, Bob L says, is there a best guitar shape for a beginner, i.e. Strat, Tele, etc.? What I will tell you, Bob, is uh, I would never say that there's a best uh, shape for, you know, otherwise we'd probably all go, yeah, the Strat, because it's all comfortable. But here's what I've learned. Most players, whatever they start in, start with, that's usually what they end with. So if you start with a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul shaped body, you tend to lean towards this. Now, right now, some of you are going to put some comments about, no, I started on a Tele and I probably play Les Pauls now. Yeah, those are exceptions. But the rule usually is what you start with uh, will be comfortable. What I will tell you is the advice I've given uh, uh, many, many times to beginners or, or new guitar buyers, which is this. You don't have to play guitar to figure out if it's comfortable. 
You go into a store, you pick up a guitar, you sit with it, or if you stand, stand with it, but sit with it. If it pokes you in, if the bridge pokes your hand, or if it just feels weird, or if your shoulder's in a weird place, uh, it's going to feel that way when you know how to play the guitar too, too right? So uh, you don't have to worry about it. Don't don't worry, don't overthink it. Just sit with the guitar, and if it feels comfortable, it is comfortable. I used to have to explain this all the time with acoustics. Um, you know, some people play acoustic like a jumbo, and their arms up like this, and then they play a dreadnought, and their arm comes down like this, and then a folk is a little bit smaller like that, the arm. And some people don't have a problem with that some people don't like their arm pitched up some people like it down and uh so that's why they play especially acoustics because you'll see players sometimes uh, i'm a perfect example i like dreadnought the sound of dreadnought acoustic but i tend to play a lot of the um grand auditorium and folk style acoustics because of the way it feels i just like the way it feels more comfortable to me um so uh what else that's it that's my that's my highlight that's the highlight of that as well um what else do we got something well next one we got uh texan guitar us <laughs> okay uh hi phil do you know uh if the custom 72 amp has an adjustable bias or if it would uh, need to be adjusted when the tubes are changed out uh as far as i remember i'm doing off memory i thought i remember having adjustable bias so that's what i remember uh southpaw 007 it's an interesting title i'm assuming southpaw means left hand but 007 means license to kill so are you a are you a left-handed guitar player with a license to kill or you have a license to kill left-handed guitar players would be the way i would read that so just you know (laughs) says phil uh, i've heard you say that certain amps take pedals better than others what makes an amp good or bad when taking pedals uh that's a great question and extremely confusing even with the answer a lot of times there's two terminology for the and there could be multiples but let's just go with the two that are most common i don't know why i'm not in the center of this frame <laughs> is that better look at that i'm there okay it says uh, uh so two two types of pe- amps when we talk about takes pedals well first is the most common one in my opinion which is going to be amps that are clean like fender amps and and they don't have a uh, an overbearing eq section that really changes the uh, the pedal and a perfect example of this is run a pedal into let's say a fender amp or a katana amp clean and listen to the way the pedal sounds now put that pedal through an eq and start messing with the eq and notice how much that eq changes the way the pedal sounds certain amps maybe like mason boogies have a lot of eq in them and they kind of change the way the pedal sounds uh, which is not bad. It just sometimes, if you're trying to get the pedals to to sound the the way you want it, you know, just the way it sounds, it, you want an amp that's a little less involved is a, a good way to put it. So, in other words, when we say takes pedals well, in one hand, we're talking about amps that allow the pedals to be what they are. Sometimes I like to call them PA amps, and is a joke, right? It's just a PA system. It's just taking what it hears, the pedal amplifying it take the pedal amplify it now sometimes when we say takes pedals why well we're talking about amps that interact with pedals like the most notable most famous of course of all time is the marshall amplifier and a tube screamer it's like they were made to be together right it was just it's like they, well they probably were but <laughs> but i mean they they fit together perfectly sonically the 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 whatever you think of the marshall if you like it you'll love it with the tube screamer if you love it you'll really love it right it just interacts really, really good so usually when we say takes pedals well that's usually the two references and unfortunately you have to listen to the player talking to figure out which reference they're talking about sometimes they'll say like i have a dr z uh in, uh, in my dr z's case i tend to like to put a 
boost in front of it and it's just magical i don't normally take my boost and just put it in front of like my, my 65 deluxe or princeton amps my fenders but i'll do it in front of the dr z because it just gets that amp to just to break up just in the subtlest just perfect way for me so again so i would say and the dr z takes the boost pedals well you know what i mean so there you go i hope that's hope that's uh insightful <laughs> Probably not. All right. Uh, what else? I thought there was one other one. Uh, oh, I went through them pretty fast. All right. Those are the ones I pinned. I uh, pinned a bunch right at the beginning. Okay. So let's get into uh, a new a new thing on the, on the channel, uh, relatively new, uh, which is I told you guys every week I will highlight some new products this week. So uh, what's the new products? The new products are, of course, the LPD 87 Deluxe pedal. I did a review of that. There's a, a bunch of other YouTubers that did reviews as well. And uh, I, I highly suggest you check out, check out all the videos. And uh, it's a very cool pedal, obviously, because uh, we all like Lawrence on the channel. I think that's a given. Uh, he's, he's been a, a part of the community since the get-go. And uh, I met him uh, very, very, very in the beginning of my YouTube channel-ness. So there you go. Uh, the next product that was interesting, and I have links to all this stuff in the description down below. And like I said, some are affiliates, some are not. Just they're all links. The next one is Ibanez came out with the reissue of the RG565, which is a, a one that a lot of us, uh, you know, really liked back in the day with the uh, humbucker and the uh, the mini humbucker and the neck. And the two colors, they got emerald green and fluorescent orange. Uh, very cool. I love the dots on those. Super, super, super cool. The next product of the week is the Tash. I'm going to say Tash. I don't know her personally, uh, her, her work. I've been checking it out since the announcement. She obviously does a lot of looping. She's from, from Australia. Very talented artist. I, I can't believe I didn't have her on the radar. And uh, she is the newest member of the Fender family with the new uh, Stratocaster. This is Transparent Cherry. Something interesting is the pictures, man. When you look at this guitar, if you look, I would have swore it's an ash body. It says on the specifications, alder body. I just don't know if the specifications are right or wrong. Um, but those grain patterns are really deep and far apart from each other. So I was really shocked because at first I was thinking, oh, did they bring ash back? Because as you guys know, Fender's really backed off ash because of the Beatles. Uh, not the band, the, the bugs that eat the ash. Um, very cool. Very, uh, it, I love the painted headstock. I love the gold hardware. The only thing is on spec wise, it's pretty much on spec for everything. It's got the typical fender neck, uh, American professional kind of neck, uh, same radius, same style pickups. Uh, it's got the, um, Yosemite single coils. Um, so there's nothing really over the top different about the guitar other than a little bit of the finish and stuff. Um, now here's the product actually I was a little excited about. Let me share this with you. Uh, Dunlop, it's a, it's in stock. That's why I'm sharing with you because it was it came out like a, last week, but now it's in stock. Dunlop came out with a new Crybaby wah pedal. I know what you're thinking, another one, but this one's different. And I actually made this, uh, if you guys follow me on Instagram, how do I go down? There it is. Wrong way. Uh, there you go. Uh, so now officially Dunlop makes three sizes of wah pedals. So you can see they make the mini wah, which is really tiny, about the size of a boss pedal. And then, of course, to the far right, you have the full size wah that we're uh, used to. But the thing I want to show you on the new wah, besides the fact that it's obviously uh, grande, in other words, it's uh, medium. The thing that I thought was really cool, let me go back to it. If you look at the top, they put the input and output output jacks at the top of the pedal um and uh, you can read about it it was it, it was made uh with um 
with pedal boards in mind, I think it was actually co-made with a pedal board manufacturer. I thought I read something briefly on that. Um, but very, very cool. 99 bucks. Seems like it's priced in the same thing. So now uh, you can tell that uh, uh, Dunlop is uh, like Starbucks. They have tall, grande, and vente sizes. So uh, whoever thought it... <laughs> You guys, uh, you know, as, as being into gear and guitars and pedals and amps as long as I have, there's certain things I just never see coming. And just 10 years ago, not 20 or 30, just 10 years ago, just if somebody would be like, yeah, one day Dunlop will finally make three different sizes of Waz, you'd probably just snicker and laugh like, why? <laughs> and now it's like, of course they do. Of course you need three different sizes. What if you have a little travel pedal board? Or what if your pedal board's just to you know medium sized or what if it's large sized you need every size wah pedal um and uh and uh, i have to admit I, i'm a little inclined to uh to uh, get the the medium now <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, David Munez, I just saw your comment. It says, hey, did you get the Epiphone ES335? I have not ordered it. I did try to order it. Uh, Sweetwater was out of stock. I uh, thought about just placing the order so when it comes in, um, but instead I just hit the notify me when it comes in. I looked on Reverb. I didn't see one. I did, and then by the time I went back, it was gone. So I will look again. So, But it's definitely still, like I said, it's going to happen it's just as soon as it's available in stock. You'll notice on Sunday's video is a very special video for me. I bought something, uh, and I'll be sharing with you on Sunday. And uh, a little different. <laughs> a little different, for sure. Uh, and uh, and so, like I said, the, the Epiphone is definitely... Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get my hands on the Epiphone ES335 uh, uh, Gibson-inspired model and the Epiphone 59 Les Paul. Those are the two I'm trying to get my hands on. But when I say get my hands on them, these particular models are more than just I want them for review, um, where it's like I just want one so I can do the video and show you guys and talk about it. I'm actually looking for one for myself for purchase, which means I'm a little bit more particular. As you guys know, I like certain... I don't like guitars that are like 10 pounds i don't like guitars that are six pounds you know what i mean i like and and of course i want to pick you know a finish that looks nice so i'm trying to be a little particular on it so please bear with me if you would um all right what else do we got <laughs> more stuff uh all right let's hit some questions some more questions um and and i see some super chats i'll get to those in just one second let me grab another Another question real quick. And again, like I said, if you want to talk to me, question mark first. Uh, <laughs> Armando said, hey, he's just letting me know that he can't finish watching the live show. But if I want to make my typical joke, he's going to finish it tomorrow. Yeah, it's the usual bad uh, dad joke style joke. Uh, Armando, you're watching this right now, which is tomorrow, which is the past. And now it's the future. <laughs> So, um, let's see. I, you know what? I enjoy that. I'm, I'm probably sure you guys are sighing, but man, it just makes me kind of keeps my, just keeps it kind of fun for me. All right. Um, Matthew wants to know if I still want super strat photos, boy, don't I No, uh, I, I am taking, uh, the super strat photos. Basically, like I said, there's two more videos coming of the super strat, uh, videos. As long as those two videos are not out, you can still send me photos. I have tons of them and uh and that creates a sorting problem f for me but you know hey i elected to do this and i'm i'm doing it um the next one i 
I'd ha- I don't want to tell you because it's on my calendar, but you know, sometimes when I tell you guys something's going to happen and then something happens and it doesn't happen, it's like I feel like I jinx it. But uh, the, Matthew, to answer your question, if you ha- are build, if you built a Super Strat or uh, an EVH-inspired guitar and you want to send me a photo of that to be one of the videos, please send that, like I said. Um, uh, let's see. Um, what else? Let, you know what? While I'm just kind of there, well, why don't I just grab some Super Chats real fast? Um, okay, just give me a second as I scroll around. The first one comes from Fred. Man, that was easy. That was an easy name. Fred says, hey, Phil, just like I said last week, I'm building a Super Strat HSS. That's Humbucker Single Single. Fender Body. I want one volume, one tone. What value pots do I need? Finally decided to put a Duncan Distortion on the bridge. Do I need a standard Humbucker or a Trimbucker? if uh, I put on the Vega trim. So technically, if you're using any kind of tremolo system with tremolo spacing, you're gonna wanna put a trim bucker. However, I will tell you right now, you know, if it'll make you feel better, I can do a video trim bucker versus non trim bucker. But the video, in, all it would do is, is conf- confirm what we already know, which is the, the difference is undetectable by ear. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like if you're asking me, if you're going to order one right now and you're going to put it on a Strat, here's what I will tell you guys. If you're going to order a, a pickup for your bridge and you're going to put it on a Strat or a Floyd Rose, should you order a Trimbucker? Sure, why not? It doesn't cost more to do that and it's the right spacing. Do it. However, uh, I I will tell you, I'd have to look at what guitars, but some of my guitars that have tremolos do not have Trimbucker. Sp- if I didn't have the Trimbucker pickup, I just put a regular pickup in it and I've never went, man, I'm just missing the tone of the Trimbucker. Uh, so, the, you know, obviously the spacing is important important but it's not all important if uh, if that makes any sense so don't overstress that now back to your potentiometers the rule i follow is and that's just for me the majority pickups rule and that's how i follow it uh which means if there's three pickups in a guitar and two are single and one is humbucker then i go with 250k potentiometers i go with the potentiometers that that are best for the single coils. If it's humbucker, single humbucker, I would do 500K potentiometers. Um, you don't have to do that. You can do whatever you want. Like I said, there's no negatives. It just totally changes a very minute amount of the highs, right? Um, and you gotta understand, players used to be fanatical about little things like this because they were trying to build a tone with very few variables, okay? Let, let me explain used to worry about stuff like that because the Marshall you're playing through only had this much frequency. And, you know, if you needed more highs, the amp couldn't give it to you. So, I mean, sometimes if you're using like vintage style equipment, you still have those problems. But for the most part, pedals and modern amplifiers, modern technology recording has really fixed a lot of things so that there's a little bit of a problem. You can fix it that way. But uh, but anyways, back to my original uh, statement, um, that's the rule I like. The majority pickups rule. So, like I said, I would put two 250k potentiometers in there if it was me and it was my guitar. That's what's in my HHS Strat, if that helps. JSL Project says, hope all went well. I prefer full-size crybabies. <laughs> Thanks for everything. All right. See, that's cool. I put that on the Instagram. Which size do you prefer of the crybaby was, the full, the medium, and now the mini since you have choices? I'm curious, right? Um, I had a mini. I did a video of it. I finally traded that off or sold it off, the mini. As much as I liked it, what I found was I just preferred the full size. It just didn't feel the same having it underneath there. And then it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm trying to save a room on my pedal board, but... I'm not enjoying using the wall. What's the point? Um, 
AP says, that's his name, by the way. This is the AP says. AP says, says, thoughts on rich light boards, especially their use on a bunch of Gibson custom guitars, uh, 2010 to 2018. Uh, I like rich light as a concept. I think it's a great idea as a concept. And I do not like the idea on $4,000 guitars. Um, why? I cannot explain. It's kind of like thinking about a $60,000 car with plastic door handles. Should that matter? No, but you think if you're gonna pay money for a car that's you know a nice car, I don't wanna look at plastic, you know what I mean? Um, so the same thing with the Rich Light. It's, 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 what I love about Rich Light is all the things that are great about it. It's a stable product, it's consistent, it, it, uh, it looks good, um, but the idea that it's being used in expensive things always weirds me out when I see companies like Godin using it, Godin using it, and other companies using it in an affordable manner like the Epiphones. And you go, oh, that makes sense. I can get quality. Guaranteeing somebody quality at a lower price point is a very appealing thing to me. Uh, the idea that uh, if you can take a man-made material and make something consistently good and then hit a lower price point and the consumer at that point goes, yeah, I don't get rosewood or ebony or I don't get, you know, brass, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I get these other materials and the quality is just as good playing. Then you can argue what those sonically, those materials sonically do different. However, to me, it's just not exciting in those guitars. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, that's it. That's my only negative. It's again, and it's just a preference. Um, do I have a problem with it? No. Do I like the idea of it? Absolutely. I just don't like the, I just wish there was a cost savings. I wish Gibson, and if, you know, to be honest with you, I wish Gibson just, even if it was 200 bucks said, here's the rich light version and the ebony version is $200 more. Then that way you give a choice. So there you go. Um, but none of that is a testament to the quality. I like the quality of rich light for sure. Uh, the drunken scoundrel says just bought a parts caster with a warmoth wizard neck and a standard thickness body neck needs a shim. How do I tell what size shim to use? Uh, well, you can, you can measure it, but here's the thing, man. I would just, uh, I'll tell you what I use all the time. Same thing. I use a piece of sandpaper. Just that's my shim. Stick it in there. <laughs> I don't buy those fancy wood shim pieces. I don't do any of that stuff. You can please feel free. I just don't. Um, and I've said the reason is, is because years and years and years of taking guitars apart has shown me that most of the factories are just shoving a piece of used sandpaper in those guitars. So I'm like, oh, well, if it works for the manufacturer, it works for me. So that's why I do that. Um, uh, but that's it. And then I, I and then uh, the thing about shims, the only thing I can tell you, Drunken Scoundrel, that helps maybe helpful is um, you will be wrong, <laughs> right? Everyone tries to guess the angle of how much shim they should put in there. And they're like, okay, I want to change the angle this much. So I need a shim that's it. No, always start with the thinnest shim possible. Stick that in there. You will be blown away with what difference it makes. Um, a small, a small amount goes very, very far. So very, very far. Um, so, and if you know what, and that's a question that would be really cool when we do the, we're going to hopefully, uh, the shop is, oh, it's about there. Uh, and so hopefully we'll do the, the live shows, not from the shop, but like once a month, we'll do the shop. So that way when I'm talking right now, I could pull out some stuff and talk. Okay, uh, Kevin Nasky says, hey, he didn't say anything. He just did a super chat. appreciate that. Let me go back over because it's been a while. I've been neglecting the, the group. Uh, see, what you, see what you guys are talking about. I'd like to do a quick shout out to Brian. And uh, I saw Unfreaking Believable here. 
Ben Coombs and Amanda Coombs uh, for moderating, by the way. I um, I sometimes it goes the show goes by so fast and crazy, I don't get to say thank you. So I just want to say thank you guys. And if I'm missing one of you guys, I will LPD pedals. There's Lawrence. Thank you guys for moderating and stuff. I know it's a ruly bunch out there. Got to keep them in line. Matt as well. Matt. And like I said, if I miss one, I'll, I'll scoop it up and I'll, I'll, I'll promise to catch it. Um, yeah, Max, by the way, uh, since we're still on the subject of shims, Max is saying a business card. Absolutely. Works fine. Piece of paper. Well, not literally piece of paper. Business card, of course. Yeah. You, you literally need almost nothing to shim a neck. It's, it's a very small change. Um, guitar, guitar, it's a GT, GTR. I'm saying this guitar. Guitar 1952 says 100 grit has better tone. You know, I love that joke. <laughs> That's great. It does. We could argue what sandpaper has the best tone. Does 3M have the best tone? So, all right. Sorry if I'm drinking right in the mic. I'm trying, I'm running the mic a little hotter than I have in the last couple episodes because when I'm watching my live show, uh, I noticed the volume was down a little bit. Um, okay, what else? Oh, okay, let's, uh, oh, so since since got quite a few on there, uh, just reminding you again that the merch is on sale until we hit 300,000 subscribers, which should be in February. So it's, I mean, it's a long sale. I just want to let you know, but there's something I want to bring up. I got a couple emails uh, saying that you guys got a couple of the shirts from Teespring with some issues, like they're faded and stuff, or they're having issues. Um, I always say this and I just remind everybody, if you have any issues with any shirts, please just let Teespring know. If they don't take care of you 100% to your full satisfaction, just let me know. Not the problem with the shirt, just let me know Teespring didn't do it. In the past, I've only had a couple instances where that happened, and every time, I like to say, because uh, it's great, every time I've reached out to my Teespring, I have like an advisor at Teespring all these all these YouTube channels like me, they're just they're just a vendor that connects to the to the thing. Like I don't get to see anything that happens. I don't know how I don't know much <laughs> what's going on with Teespring. But what I can tell you is if they don't take care of you, I have an advisor because I've sold enough shirts that they gave me a, a, a personal advisor now. And I just email her and every time she's like last time, remember when they messed up the chrome shirts and they sent everybody gray ones? She made sure everyone got a chrome shirt replacement and was able to keep the original shirts. And I had somebody else recently, same thing. They sent them the wrong shirt. It was the wrong logo and they sent them a replacement, let them keep the first one. So please just reach out to them. And then if that doesn't, um, if that doesn't go well, uh, let me know. Cause that, that's what I can do. What I will, what happens if you do have a defective issue shirt and I contact them, they just ask me all kinds of questions. I can't answer like, who's the person, where to go? When was it purchased? And I can't answer that stuff. But if you send me a, Hey, this is their response. And they didn't take care of me. I can copy her on that and go and see you guys aren't doing your thing. So, uh, so there you go today. I'm wearing, if it sounds good, it is good. <laughs> Bye. Warren Hewitt. I bought one of his shirts off his uh, channel. As you guys know, I'm a fan of Warren Hewitt. I did a video with him once on his channel and my channel. And I like this shirt. I saw it. And I, like you guys, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to help him out. Make Help him with his... You, they get like five, six bucks if you buy the shirt. So you just... <laughs> I bought the shirt. And I'm wearing it today. So I'd share that with you. Uh, uh, Eric the Red says we need more hats. Uh, you know, Eric, I know that uh, the hats that we made, uh, I don't know how why it was such a problem for them. They did the hats, but then they it was like people couldn't find them. 
so I do have my wife working on that. But right now I have her on a special project for me, which is I want a different Dickie shirt than I normally wear. And she's working on that. And, it's, and so I'll let you guys know when that gets fixed. And then that will be the hat thing will be next. Um, uh, Ron wants to know, why don't I talk more about acoustics? Um, you know, actually, it's funny you said that. I, I have an acoustic review this week coming up that I'm very excited about. Uh Actually, it's going to sound cheesy. This is the most excited I've ever been about a guitar. And that's a silly thing to say on this channel, but it is. I, I, I'm so excited about it that it's driving me crazy. It's still in the box. I can't open it. So, um, uh, I mean, I can, but I don't want to do anything with this guitar without 100% of it being filmed for you guys because um, I'm really curious about it. So it's an acoustic guitar I'm very excited about. Um, in fact, this is one of those ones where I, one of the few times where I chased down the manufacturer. I saw it on another YouTube channel. I was just so intrigued that I chased them down and said, uh, is there a way we can we can get it to try one? And they were more than inclined. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, so, uh, but uh, to answer your question, uh, I, I, I don't know. The problem I have is I don't collect acoustics. Uh, it's like bass for me. I play bass. Everybody's like, you should do more bass videos. The problem is because I play bass every day. That's what I really actually play. I only have like four of them. <laughs> and I say only four. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for the YouTube channel, I'd just have two. So um, acoustics, I play mostly acoustic. So I just have, oh, I moved it. It was right here because I was just playing it before we started, but I moved out of the room, so it wasn't the shot. Um, so I mostly just play acoustic. So I have like three acoustic guitars, maybe four. Same thing. They're just, and I play them all, all the time. Uh, but Ron, I will uh, increase the acoustic videos because I, I, I think we should talk more about acoustics. Uh, let's see, what else? Anthony, oh man, we're just, Anthony says, how about buttons and bumper stickers? Uh, yeah, we did sticker runs and I haven't done them. I should have done them for, for the holidays, right? I don't know why I didn't think to do that. The problem right now has been I'm just, I'm so slammed every day with, with my day-to-day -day job operations. And then YouTube is, like I said, it's like two, I have two jobs essentially every day. <laughs> so yes, I, I apologize. Uh, every time you guys mention this stuff, I'm like, yep, that's probably a good idea. I should have be on that stuff. Um, so there you go. Um, okay. <laughs> Hold on. You guys are now just talking about shirts and hats and masks. Uh, it's great. I'm, I appreciate you guys wanting to support the channel. I will, I will, I will timestamp this and send it to my wife. All right. Um, Uh, pedal pal effects. What's up guys? He says, Hey Phil, what pedal do you recommend for cab salination that plug direct dude? There is only one pedal for that stuff. Um, I've tried a bunch, you know, uh, Thomas Blug makes a good one. Uh, Engel makes a good one, but nothing beats this. Uh, this is my favorite thing in the world. Hands down. This is fantastic. Um, like I said, I think I've told you guys this, this is, I'll re reiterate this to you guys, uh, as well. Um, this is what I'm playing my headphones into now. Uh, and I'm doing it like every day. I'm just, I remember for years I said, I don't wear headphones and now I'm wearing headphones. Uh, I plug my amp right into this and I just wear headphones. So, uh, that's how I'm jamming headphones, uh, which is really important right now because, uh, everyone is trapped in the house because of COVID. So it's hard to make my family listen to me play guitar and bass all day. <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I try to give them a break. 
Um, okay. Mark Randall says, I want KYG coffee. It's funny you should mention that. It is a strange thing that you would mention that. I'm only reading that because that's the weirdest thing for me to read when I was actually looking at something like that because I drink a, a very special coffee that is... Uh, so I drink a coffee that is uh, made at a local... Uh, well, it's a small... one, Only one, not a chain, one coffee shop that happens to be uh, on a farm... Uh, where I live is right before the city gets pretty rural. And so as you go past me, that's where it's at. And uh, I love this coffee. This is all I, all I drink. And so I was thinking about maybe doing a special run of coffee bags to share it with you guys because I was like, I was going to see, I was going to, when I go, I go on Fridays, which is this morning. And so I go in the morning and I buy what I need for next week from him. And I was thinking about seeing if he would be interested in doing some kind of, uh, co-pack thing you know right you know put put a logo on it for me and co uh, you know of course it'll give you his brand and stuff and expose you to it because it's like I said it's a really it's a really cool story i'll, I'll like I said funny you should mention that i i um it's not goat joseph says goat poop coffee no it's not goat poop coffee um it, it if you guys are into coffee some of you guys are in you know you know that the roasters are really kind of like the interesting part of it sometimes so all right we got to get back to guitar stuff Ben says he's in for some KYG coffee. You know what? I just thought it'd be cool because, you know what I mean? It would be, I think it's fun to try something different. And if you guys are somewhere else, you could try this coffee. So I'll, I'll I, I was, it was funny. I was just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, let's see. And I just, cause we're going to stay on this cause it's funny. Shut up. Let's talk says, how about some KYG marijuana after that? Well, it would have to wait till March to be legal, but I don't think I could ship it. Um, uh, so, uh, there you go. All right. Uh, hold on a second, guys, as I'm reading, reading some, some of the, uh, I'm sorry when it's quiet, but I gotta, man, you guys are still talking about stickers. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me, let me, let me find a a subject to talk about. And you guys probably can hear my dogs. They're just barking. Okay. Uh, here we go. Hold on. Okay. Let's do legacy. Magic says is binding on a guitar neck and bodies outdated. That's an interesting question. Okay. Seems like it used to be a practical to protect the instruments from damage. Now it's just decoration. Yeah, I could see that. It's definitely, it's definitely something that has been, is, is in its most common function, something to show off how expensive an instrument it is. Um, one of the vi uh, viral, one of the videos that I did early on that did kind of well virally was, you know, what makes a guitar expensive and what doesn't make a guitar expensive anymore. And that's when I talked about binding and how basically it's this thing that 
we seem to, in a premium guitar, pay more for it, but yet you can buy a Harley Benton with binding and it's like no big deal. Um, it was one of those weird things. And I talk about how Music Man, uh, you know, how they do it, which is pouring it into a, they router into a block and then they pour liquid uh, plastic basically into it. And then uh, the CNC does it. And, and then how Gibson does it, you know, wrapping it and then gluing it and wrapping it with cheesecloth and stuff. So it, is it is it outdated? I don't think it's outdated because here's why things in this industry in guitar don't outdate. And it's because guitars, people always talk about guitars being tools. Well, let me throw this at you. I think that's a great analogy. Guitars are tools, a statement. Guitars are tools. They are. But they're also ingredients. Don't forget that. And that's important. Here's what I mean by that. We honor music by the by uh really getting involved with its creation process think about that okay so let's so walk with me on this trip so to speak you take a band any band i don't care who it is it could be zeppelin it could be the beatles it could be you know hoobastank <laughs> right uh you take a band and and they create music with you know they create music and we hear the music and we dissect it not only what chords they use, what notes, what keys, what phrasings, what techniques. But then we start dissecting what guitar, what pickups, right? Really musicians as a whole love to dissect the creation of something and break it down to ingredients. That's how it's made. So it's this chord with this, you know, this technique with this tone from this amp, from these type of guitars, right? So because of that, they are tools that make the music, but they are also ingredients. And because they're ingredients, they are forever, uh, I'm gonna say protected, that's not the right word. They are forever important to us. Um, you know, uh, because of that, right? Uh, think about it like, and I've used this analogy before, I'll use it again. It's grandma's cookies. It's grandma's famous recipe, whatever your your grandma's favorite recipe was. It's it's not just how she made it. It's what she made it with. And, and I've used this uh, analogy uh, many times, which is, uh, you know, spaghetti sauce. I've heard, the first time I ever heard somebody putting ketchup in spaghetti sauce, I thought it was a strange thing. And then I found out that, my mother always, I guess, put a pinch of sugar in the spaghetti sauce because uh, my grandmother owned an Italian restaurant and taught my mom how to cook Italian food. And she said that's this, the, the tomatoes are acidic and they have a very, uh, you know, tangy kind of um, a, a tone to them. And you can you can soften that with just a pinch of sugar. And, uh, and so it doesn't mean my mom's spaghetti or my grandma's spaghetti was the best. What it means is the first time I go to a nice restaurant and have spaghetti, I'm like, this doesn't taste the way I remember it. The ingredients are important to the end product. So um, things, that's why things don't get outdated. That's why we're still in 2020 talking about Gibson, Gibson Les Pauls and Strats and Tellys like they're the most relevant thing ever, even though, you know, they were created before most of us were born. It's it, it's it's important because they made this music and we're going to constantly dissect that music and learn about it and figure it out and figure out how these artists made it. And it's going to break down from everything from the, the uh, what's why uh, guitar. Think about this. You have channels like Rick Beato who are basically dissecting how the music was made and we just watch it. And then you have channels like mine that dissect how what all the gear was used and how it was used, right? And what, what gear you use for it. Again, it's the same thing concept we're just dissecting and because of that nothing gets to outdate because you're not going to change the you're not going to change the recipe at this point 
I hope that all made sense. It kind of made sense in my head. It's one of those things where I look this and back later when I index the thing, I go, well, what the hell was I saying? But uh, you get the idea. So, uh, but yes, what I, I don't argue that the uh, binding is outdated. I think it's a, it's just a, an iconic thing that, you know, happens on prestigious guitars. It looks, the only thing that's strange about it to this day is why is it so much more expensive to do it when obviously it's not expensive on other guitars? It's a very strange thing. So uh, that I always get confused, right? It's like, it's like, I kind of, still chuckle and sneer to this day when a company says like when i see a five thousand dollar guitar and it says mahogany with maple cap and i'm like yeah but that was on the 300 dollars guitar so how is that expensive you know what i mean and then somebody goes well no no it's not just mahogany and maple it's because it's made in the usa and i'm like well why don't they just say that because obviously the other thing had no variable in it because obviously you can make a guitar inexpensively with those things and i'm not talking about veneers versus solid cap maple we're not talking about that we're just talking about when it is the same right it's kind of funny uh, if it, so I always thought that stuff was kind of interesting. Voodoo Fist says, Hey, Phil, I had, uh, I've had my Ingle fireball for a week now. Okay. So we talked about this last week. Uh, Voodoo Fist said he bought an Ingle fireball because of my video. So he's going to blame me for it maybe <laughs> or not. We'll read what he says. Fireball for a week now. Totally love it. So glad you did the vid. Also, will you be doing a best of 2020 gear videos this year? So Voodoo Fist, two things. Let me go into them uh, if you don't mind. Um, let me go to... Uh, so we did last week, we did the uh, deal of the week where I was like, I'll, I told you guys I'd go on Reverb and look for stuff that I think is kind of cool or different and a good price. Um, so I found this way to do this. I, I did this... Look at that. Now I can share with you guys. So I'm on, this is my, uh, this is my personal reverb page and this is my watch list. And I put links to everything down below for this stuff. And because a lot of you guys were talking about the Ingle Fireball uh, lately, cause I did that video and I absolutely love my Ingle Fireball 25. I mean, love it. It's, it's definitely, I mean, I'm, I just, can't say enough great things about it. Um, so I thought I'd share this with you. I found a used one. It's in mint condition with the box. I can't tell if it's a store trying to sell a new one, just cheaper, <laughs> or if it's someone who bought it and is flipping it. I didn't really get that involved in looking into it. I, I don't get the impression of the store because it only has 12 feedbacks, but they want $950 plus $45 shipping. It's 1000 bucks versus the uh, $1,300. And it's got to make an offer thing. So that was a really cool thing. But I also wanted to share with you a couple other things. There's an Engel... Um, uh, uh, E606 Iron Ball for $750 uh, out of Texas, $50 shipping. That's basically going to get you really close to the, the fireball sound, same kind of distortion, clean, but it has reverb. And then I saw a musician's friend is selling a B-stock Ingle Metal Master, which is basically, again, it's a little like the fireball, but it's got reverb. And, uh, and these are all made in Germany. All these amps I'm showing you it's 879 free shipping. Uh, it says uh, B stock, but they have two. So it could be just them shipping a brand new one saying B stock to, to get out of the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the map member musician friend guitar center notorious for doing two things uh telling you something's brand new and then sending you something used and then telling you something's used and sending you something brand new that could be the case in this and then i also found an ingle gig master 15 in mint condition for 600 bucks uh there's also for some of you outside the country there were some good deals on ingles in in canada and europe but um the gig master 15 is my least favorite of these amps it's really good amp if you're if you thought you liked the ingle clean channel let me get back out of here let me go there. if you thought you liked the Ingle clean channel 
uh, and just thought the gain was a little much for you. Uh, the Engel 15 is also made in Germany. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just trying to get back to my screen. It's uh, also made in Germany and has the attenuator in the back. All these had those attenuators in the back. So I thought I'd share that with you. For those of you that liked that review of that and thought 13 was a little high for you guys, I found some used ones, uh, used products that were. So check those out. Uh, and uh, I'm just curious, like I said. I, but back to uh, um, uh, Voodoo Fist. Um, Voodoo Fist says he loves the Ingle Fireball. And uh, I do too. So I'm glad it really, really uh, liked it. But what was the other thing he said? The second part of the question. Oh, best of 2020 gear video. It should be December 16th. Um, so what I did over the years, I've been trying to refine that process for you guys don't know what he's talking about. Every year I do my year in review where I literally tell you everything I reviewed that year. If I, if I still like it, what has changed? What have I learned since then? Did I keep it? Did I sell it? You know, and I give you updates on that. And, uh, I, I do that, it, 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 you know, cause I do, <laughs> but over the years, what happens is I, I did a more random, you know what I mean? Like I, sometimes it was like November 20th and then one year I did it December 6th. So last year I did, it looks like it was December 16th. I want to do it on December 16th this year as well, because, um, I start off from, I say the year, but it's really from when I did the last one, you know what I mean? So that way I can capture the last three or four product reviews I did in December of last year after the 16th. So yes, I'll be doing that. And, uh, and, uh, uh, it's a tradition. I got, I got to do it. It's a tradition. In fact, uh, uh, last year, a couple of channels like, uh, Henning Polly and stuff did it too. And, and they said it was actually a lot of fun. They said it was really funny to Henning's. I watched last year. If you didn't watch Henning's last year, let me tell you, he reviews a piece of gear every day. I do like this year. I reviewed like three pedals, three amps, <laughs> maybe a dozen guitars. So one a month guitars, that's not a hard video to make. I mean, he's got like 360 products he had to, he had to go over. It was it was pretty intense. <laughs> so, um, uh, Thunder Falcon says, "Is it advisable to buy a B stock amp?" Uh, I own a B stock amp. My Hughes and Kittner amp's a B stock amp. So it depends. Uh, you know, like I said, normally I would tell you that not to worry because if you buy B stock, most retailers, 99% of them, uh, honor the return on a B stock. So you get to try it, make sure it's fine, everything's good, and then ship it back. Of course, this is a musician's friend, and of course, just like Guitar Center, they're in bankruptcy. But like I said, they're still, they, they've filed for Chapter 11, which is reorganization. So they don't seem to be going anywhere. So um, if you're concerned about that because it's a it's it's a little far stretch to be concerned about that like i said i personally don't think guitar center and music friend are going anywhere i think the reorganization is going to stick and they'll just be guitar center with less debt when it comes you know you know next year uh however if you're that concerned about it i would order it and then make sure you only have it for a day or two and then if you if there's a problem with it make sure you're fast to send it back because they're not gonna well, I don't know. Not likely to go out of business and close before Christmas. I think most, you, and again, I'm not saying they're gonna. I, I personally don't think it don't, but I'm saying if you have that concern, I would just not exhaust the 30-day return policy. But you would get a 30-day return policy. So, but I'm also telling you uh, on the record, I don't believe it's a B-stock item. It's not likely that they would have two B-stock items for listed online. Uh, it sounds to me like they're trying to ship something that is new in stock trying to 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 break the map so they can liquidate some stuff um you know what i mean uh i would imagine and again not to go on a tangent on this i would imagine like i said before um with guitar center i would imagine anytime a company like guitar center and musician friend which is the same company are going to have a bankruptcy they're going to assess the situation 
right? Like any company would and figure out where, where, what they want make their new plan. So for instance, if there's some stores that are underperforming, it might be a good time to close them and get out of those leases. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's when you do that stuff. There are also products that are not performing. If the pro products are not performing, because you can understand they're not going to really default on their, or I shouldn't say default when they when they talk about, cause guitar center has been already public about what's what's supposed to be happening there's they're renegotiating the 800 million dollars of debt all this other stuff's going on the vendors are going to get paid some of them, i told you guys that some of my friends that are vendors that are owed six figures from guitar center i have talked to two of my friends so far have told me they've been paid by guitar center in the last week or so so guitar center is paying vendors now because they need vendors when they when the bankruptcy is over and they reorganize and they have a much leaner, meaner company because it's not holding all that debt. Uh, they need people to ship them product. They got to sell product. That's the business they're in. So they literally are probably not going to burn those vendors as much. My guess is if they don't want a vendor around, they'll probably try to negotiate a settlement of the debt or uh, what's owed or just not pay it and say, OK, we're bankrupting on you. I'm, I'm not again. I can't. It's a speculative. Again, it's very important that I tell you guys these are just things I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking are possible. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked, uh, if they don't carry angle anymore. Uh, I love the angle amp. I like the angle guys. The guys I met were really nice. I think angle makes a great product. Um, but let's be clear. I, I can tell you guys, I, I don't have any re reason to, 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 to BS you guys. Look, I watched the angle video that I made half the comments are like, oh, 1300 bucks. That's ridiculous. Why is it so much? I'm like, well, it's not made in China. That's why it's $1,300. You know what I mean? So the same people that will complain when I review a Chinese amp going, oh, why is everything you review made in China? I'm like, well, that's because apparently that's what people buy. If you want an amp that's $500 made of tubes, it has to be made in China. Ingle isn't, doesn't make any of their amps in China. They make their pedals, I think, in China, but they make their amps in, in Germany, which is expensive, just like the U.S. And because of that, I'm sure people aren't buying their amps, which is what I'm noticing, because they're trying to be competitive against Blackstar and companies who are doing the import, Asian import stuff. And again, none of this is bad, but we've seen this happen to PV. PV did this. PV was, you know, as we always slam PV in the market for, you know, oh, PV's not the company it used to be. They make their stuff in China. I'm like, well, when they were making their stuff in the USA, everybody was complaining that they were out, they were all of a sudden too expensive because they couldn't compete with the import Chinese stuff. So, um, so I think that if I was going to guess, I would be guessing that, Musicians Friend Guitar Center would probably not be keeping Ingle as a, as a vendor going forward because when they reorganize and shed off the debt, they're going to probably want to focus on the things that flip the most and things that flip the most are things that are most affordable. It's hard to make a $25 amp for $1,300 stick with most consumers. They got, to be honest with you, you got to find value in the fact that it wasn't made in China. And some people do and some people don't. And I'm never here to judge any of that. That's why on the channel, I, I review it. $30 made in China guitar and a $3,000 guitar. I don't, uh, to me, I want to talk about guitars and amps and pedals in every country and every price point. It's what I care about. I'd rather talk about this than politics or sports. So that's why I don't care if it's a cheap guitar or an expensive guitar. But I noticed in the comments, I'm not naive, that some of you guys have some really hard opinions in both directions. And I appreciate that. And that's what I love about you guys is uh, you can voice, voice those opinions and, uh, and I get this, and it, it influences me sometimes. Sometimes I read what you say and I go, okay, that's an interesting take on it. I didn't maybe see it that way. But that's, uh, yeah, and then it's because I'm just going to read some of the comments while we're on the subject. Uh, James is saying, my first guitar was a PBT-15. Yeah, my first real amp, I think I said this, was a PB Rage. <laughs> that was my first amp with distortion. Uh, um, 
Richard Rodriguez says competitive prices aren't exactly Guitar Center's main attraction. I think actually that's their only attraction. I think that's all people care about with Guitar Center is the price. Uh, it's it's uh, and Richard, I'll tell you this as 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 quote unquote somebody who's who's works in this business every day. Uh, Sweetwater is about service. They're not about price. No one goes to Sweetwater for the best price. Every Sweetwater price is the price you can find anywhere. And Sweetwater is proud, uh, you know, proud about that. By the way, they're not they're not out there going, "Hey, we'll beat any competitor by five percent." You know, the Guitar Center is the one that started the the, uh, the ad campaigns of, "If you find this price by any uh, legitimate dealer for a lower price, we'll meet or beat it." Uh, you've never seen Sweetwater really advertise that. Now, I understand some of you guys talk to your sales. Uh, uh, reps at Sweetwater and they're, you know, they'll adjust pricing and, and for you guys. But Sweetwater is about service. They're trying to sell the idea that, hey, we'll take pictures of the actual guitars. We have a, a, a person that you talk to one on one and they are trying to sell an experience and it's effective. It's, and it's changed the industry because before them, it was all Guitar Center and trying to keep up with Guitar Center, which is how cheap can I sell you this guitar? And there's not a person, there's 948 people watching. Look, and, and 948 guitar players, ah, 950 now, 950 guitar players watching. Let me tell you something. Half, and I'm being nice, half these guitar players have bought at Guitar Center only because they walked in and they walked out with a, a smoking deal. You could get deals at Guitar Center uh, up until the change, which was like mid mid 2000s 2010 or something i mean you could go in a guitar center and literally make up stuff you could go in and be like oh i saw that guitar that uh, you got for uh 500 bucks i saw it for uh 333 at some other dealer and like that we match it <laughs> they just did do that so guitar center was definitely about uh, always been about competitive pricing i think that's what outdated them because Nowadays, competitive pricing is important, but there's places to get competitive pricing. You can go if you if you're really concerned about a deal. If that's your focus. You want to get, you know, the best price for the product, which is a, a very important focus. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'll be honest with you. If you're if you care about deals, saving money, putting money in your pocket when you buy a guitar, an amp, or a pedal, you should go on Reverb or online and find all the local dealers and call them up and talk to them personal. Let me tell you, if you call um. The guys at Flipside Music, if you call Flipside Music, if you call uh, Chuck, Chuck Levin's Music, if you call those stores and say, I'm looking for this product, what's your best deal? What can you do for me? How can you help me? They will earn your business. <laughs> um, and so we talk about all the time, like the small and pops have higher pricing, but they're also the most aggressive with the discounts because of the fact that they are going to earn business every time. They don't have the massive marketing muscle that these big online companies have to make sure that there's an ad in front of every YouTube video and there's an ad in, in every time you go on Facebook. They don't have that power. So um, so that's where the deals are. But yeah, Guitar Center, I think, will stay highly focused on discounting because that's been the business they've always been in. I would really be shocked. And I could be wrong. Is it, anybody can be wrong. <laughs> I would be really shocked, almost pleasantly shocked, so you know, if Guitar Center, when they as they reorganize, if they adopt a business uh, strategy that's more like Sweetwater's, like, hey, how do we take care of the customer? Um, I don't know if I shared this story, but I'll share it now because it's important. I bought for my birthday. That's my PRS Hollow Body 2. That was my, my birthday present I bought myself in July. It was a big deal for me. Um, like I said, we had planned for many years for my family to go to vacation to Ireland this year. It was a big deal. And of course, because of COVID, it didn't happen. And my wife pretty much let me know we're not doing it next year, no matter what either, because she's just, she's not, she doesn't want to go. She didn't want to take the kids and go. So long story short, we discussed just taking some of that money and enjoying it. So the kids got some stuff. My wife got some stuff and I got that guitar it's, and I sold a few guitars for it too. 
the reason I'm telling you the story is because I was trying to find one in stock and Guitar Center had a purple one in stock, which is the color I wanted the most. Uh, and I called Guitar Center and Guitar Center told me I'd have to talk to Private Reserve, the, the Private Reserve, Reserve Department because it's an expensive guitar. And I said, great. And they gave me the number and they told me on the phone, when you call them, they probably won't answer. So leave a message. And if they don't get back to you in a day or so, call them back again because sometimes they don't like to answer the phone and, and return calls. So obviously I didn't buy it from them because I wouldn't have bought a Squire with that answer. So there you go. That's what I'm saying. Guitar Center doesn't set up the same way. That's not their business strategy. Their business strategy is is uh, competitive discounts. <laughs> so, But again, I'd love you guys' feedback. Sometimes you guys have an observation that, like I said, it's different than mine. Um. V-Man says, well, GC will stay, still be able to do the quantity that others can't do so that they can still do the deals. Um, I think so. You got to understand, I, I, you know, no one that I've ever met in this industry talking with them, especially, you know, bar talk, you know, at the bar drinking some beers, have ever been able, including myself, to get a real grasp of how big Guitar Center really is. We all have a general idea. Even I've talked to Guitar Center managers, upper management, everybody has a general idea of what they're buying. But you got to understand, we're talking about thousands of brands, right? So even if they're like the biggest buyer for Fender, are they the biggest buyer for PV? You know what I mean? And, uh, and the reason I'm sharing that with you is um, I had... I have a friend who's obviously owns is a manufacturer owns a large manufacturing company and he said something to me that's just stuck with me. He said that when when Guitar Center would order from them it was like 50 of the biggest dealers in the world ordering at the same time. And that gives you a real scope of power, doesn't it? I mean, I've never heard anybody until recently, that was within the last couple months, say it like that. And when I heard that, I was like, I, is he being exaggerative or is he, and he was being serious. And I'm like, wow, that's a tough thing to say that Guitar Center's or order at NAM is like 50 of the largest of his, uh, 50 of his other largest dealers at one time putting in one order. So I think Guitar Center, um, yeah, they'll still probably buy in, in heavy numbers and still keep, keep the pricing, uh, advantages when I'm, yeah, I think so. I don't know. My problem is I don't buy from Guitar Center. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say I don't. I mean, not online. If I go to Guitar Center, it's only in the stores. So. Okay. Uh, hey, Hobby Knight said, don't forget to hit the like button. Yes, please do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Snick Juice said, my mom and pop became, uh, a, another Long and McQuaid. So obviously you live in Canada. If you guys don't know, Long and McQuaid is essentially, I don't want to say it like this, but I'm gonna, it's the guitar center of Canada. It's a chain of large stores, uh, in Canada that owns, I think they own Jam, right? Or Jam owns them, which I think would, uh, uh, is a lot of other brands as well. So front level midnight said, Sweetwater is a ripoff. Yeah, well, you know, again, that's what's interesting about this. And I, like I said, I love these discussions and it's great to talk about this. Uh, I don't think Sweetwater is a good is the best deal. I say not good deal. That's not a fair th thing to say. What's fair is to say, I don't go to Sweetwater when I, when I want a deal. I go to Sweetwater when I know exactly what I want and want to make sure it's right, especially guitars. Online, it's almost impossible to buy a guitar. Um, cause you know, you want to make sure, you know, you want to make sure you see the picture of the actual guitar you're buying. 
<laughs> sometimes that's just just that is enough you know what i mean but um hold on steve says you never get a deal at sweetwater that's that's actually true and not true because um I've said this before. If you want a deal at Sweetwater, you have to call them and ask for it. So, um, and that's not entirely true. So, you know, I, I, I the reason I say that is because I don't really actually talk to my rep. I don't think I've ever talked to him physically on the phone. Uh, so I'll email them and ask him. Uh, it usually goes something like this. Uh, do you have this? Yeah, cool. Is there any specials or deals you can give me on it? And then sometimes it's like, no, we're lucky to get them. Or he'll say, uh, 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 what's it? Oh, he'll say, uh, yeah, we can honor that deal or we can give you a deal. Um, me am, I have no idea. I'm going to say me am Hugo. I, I don't think that's even right. It says, Hey Phil, are you aware of issues of PRS guitars with blue finishes fading significantly over time? I, I have a river blue and I am getting a bit concerned. Well, it would depend like, uh, you know, the one I have is a 2020. So it's, it's a lacquer finish. And they don't know. Let's let's be honest. They don't know uh, what it's going to do. I think it's going to green and fade over time. And I actually bought it knowing that, and I'm okay with that. Um, it is real common for a lot of guitars finishes to fade. Obviously, the Music Man's used to do it. PRSs do it. Gibsons do it. Fade some yellow. Depends on the finish. Um, and PRS has, has used multiple different finishes over the years for for all kinds of reasons. I can't get anybody on the record why. <laughs> Right. So I can only speculate. I speculate because obviously certain finishes aren't working for them. Um, I, the things I hear is the re main reason uh, PRS is now 100% lacquer finishes on all the USA made guitars. I believe even the S2s now are all lacquer finishes. Well, all USA made stuff. It's like it's a certain time, maybe June or something this year. And it's just like all forward is, is going to be lacquer finishes. Um, and it's because the, the official statement is that Paul thinks they sound better. That's the official statement. I don't know if that's true. I don't really kind of get into the finishes. I've told you this before. A finish tone is just too much, too tone nerdy for me. At that point, it's like, yeah, it doesn't affect things. But I feel like if if lacquer gives your guitar more warmth, well, then so does like changing a pickup or a potentiometer. Uh, in other words, if, if I don't have the warmer tone lacquer, I can just change a component in electronics and get the tone that way too. Um, there's other things I can do to get the tone. Um, uh and then Rod's guitar says, Phil, your PRS is swinging on the hanger. Uh, yeah, there's a ceiling fan. So they all kind of, they're all just kind of slightly drifting. They're swaying in the breeze, relaxing like on rocking chairs. Um, yeah, uh, X, X Div, Zendiva, I think that's right, says guitars fade sometimes, not the end of the world. Yeah, you know, my best advice if you're worried about a guitar fading is one, get make sure you get something that's polyurethane or polyester finish. That usually is going to probably stand the test of time like nobody's business. The other thing is also be aware of what colors turn into. General rule of thumb with guitars is everything yellows. That's the way, that's, that's a very easy thing to think about. So if you have white, it turns cream and then yellow. <laughs> if you have blue, it greens because it, yellow over blue turns green. You get the idea. Um, if it red, if it's red, it turns orange, right? So, um, so be aware of that. If you, if you have a color and it's that important to you that it stays that vibrant color, be aware that some finishes like nitrous lacquer yellow over time. And so, and so it, it 
you know, add that to the color and that's where you're going to get. That's where you get uh, a lot of the Fiesta reds that look like Campbell's soup and stuff. Uh, mm. Keith Bates says, my Sam Ash rep worked hard and gave me a deal I was looking for. Whenever I'm in the Sam Ash stores, they are usually very, very agreeable to pricing. <laughs> so, um, and this has nothing to do with the YouTube arrangement, you know, where I'm on a YouTube and they're like, oh, we've seen your channel. That happens a little bit now. You know, people are nice to me because they're like, oh, we see your YouTube channel. Um, but before I had a YouTube channel, I'd go in there and just ask for a deal and they gave it to you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's funny mayhem says well they are on string swings talk about the guitar swinging so they they sway because they're on string swings that's kind of funny okay hold on a second i'm just looking for yeah and a lot of you guys like fret level midnight are confirming that sam ash uh, definitely works with you on the prices that is for sure Okay, the next one comes from how we do on time. We're okay. Armando says, remember to like, uh, have you ever had pains due to playing practice with a bass or guitar? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my pains, uh, and of course, you know, I, I haven't had, uh, I'm, you know, it's one of those things like jinx. I don't want to jinx myself. I haven't had uh, age pains yet. Uh, those I told you, I have friends that have, you know, that professionally play and they're slightly older than me. And they talk about these pains that they have, uh, cause as they get older, there's pains. I haven't had any of that happen. Um, I do on my right hand, uh, I get a little, uh, tendon, uh, soreness right here from playing when I play bass cause I pluck. Um, I get very little to no pain in my left hand for anything. Um, my only thing that I deal with, uh, pain wise is, and it hasn't happened to me in a long time, but uh, I get calluses on my fingers and I don't know if it's like how I wash my hands or what happens, but uh, not once a year, uh, maybe definitely once every two years, but I, you know, almost once a year, um, I have this thing where all of a sudden my skin this is going to be gross, but it's just, you know, just being honest with you guys. Uh, my skin comes off my fingertips. Like all of a sudden the calluses just come right off and I have like baby skin underneath and I have to like play through that. And I, and it's, I, I'm pretty sure over the years, I'm, I, I just don't really pay attention. I should that because like I said, I, I work on guitars all day and then around certain chemicals. I'm definitely decided that there's probably a chemical that I'm touching or doing work with. And I just never pay attention because it always happens days later. Like what did I come in contact with? But literally my skin will sh shed off like a, like a snake off the tips of my fingers, whatever I was really touching. And, and then like I said, all my calluses are gone. It's like being a brand new guitar player. And so I, I just have to play through that pain. So that's usually where I get any kind of pain is that. And of course some tendon pain but other than that nothing um brad says he gets blisters on his fingers oh yeah of course right i mean there's but um but usually uh i i usually worry about uh tendonitis um you know carpal tunnel stuff like that so i try to always make sure that i i do the right things and and, and exercise you know when i'm when doing my scales and stuff warm up i should say i always warm up before i play uh, Bradley, uh, says put super glue on your fingertips. I used to do that when I was younger, uh, is a trick on stage. You know, that's when you, you know, you, cause you'll just wear off your, your, uh, when you play a lot, you'll just wear off the, <laughs> the, uh, the calluses. It just comes right off. Um, and then, um, 
and then you can put super glue on the tips of your fingers. Uh, but it usually only lasts a few songs and then it's off again, but yeah, it helps, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I'm like laughing because I'm like, it's been a, it's been a while since I've played till I bled. You know what I mean? That's definitely something that hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, it's mostly because I can't play long enough. Uh, I think a lot of us have that experience. Usually when you play out now, when I play out, you can't play that long. No one lets you, <laughs> you know what I mean? The old days of sitting there playing for two to three hours, unless you're in some kind of cover band or a jam band and you're one of the anchors of the jam band, you're not going to play hours and hours at a time. Usually if I go to play somewhere, usually I'm usually playing with a band that's opening for somebody. Uh, I do a lot of opening stuff. And so when you do that, you get what, five to six songs if you're lucky. So every time I play, it's like 30, 40 minutes. There's just not enough to get, you just never get enough to get tired. So, ah, yeah, Mr. Uh, Two Hats says isopropyl alcohol always takes my uh, calluses off. That might be uh, it because I do work with isopropyl alcohol, but I'm usually pretty good about not touching things like that. But yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, so next is Litve. Hey, Litve. He says, uh, uh, won't watch this until tomorrow. Fine, don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> make, the, make the joke. But uh, he said, but here's something for the chip jar. I want a volume pedal in a wah size and form factor. Please tell me. My favorite wah pedal that uh, is the Dunlop wah pedal that's also a wah and expression pedal. And it has a switch inside of it. So it'll be a wah or expression pedal. And, and there's two kinds of expression pedals. There's one that takes standard uh, quarter inch cables and ones that take the tip ring sleeve, uh, like a stereo jack. And there's a switch in that one. So it could be, and so I love that pedal because it's so useful. If you use it for a volume, you're good. And then, and, and if uh, you need it to be an expression pedal one day, you can have that as well. You can't do either or it doesn't toggle, but it can be, you know, I mean, you can do either or, but you can't do at the same time. That's a good one. I um, also have the Ernie Ball volume pedal. I have the medium size one. The They think it's a smaller one, but the, the full size is like this big and I have the smaller one. Um, it's cool. And so far to date, and I've had mine for years, I've never broke the, the string. There's a string that moves on it. Um, but I've replaced some of those damn strings over the years for other players because uh, you just have to order them when they snap. I, I've, mine's never snapped, but I've always decided when it does, I'm going to probably just get rid of it, but it never does. But I like the Dunlop one, and I'll put a link. I'll have to look it up and put the link uh, to it. Um, Spencer says, Fender Ultra, Fender Pro 2, okay, so Professional 2, Silver Sky, which would you prefer for the best bang for your buck? Well, obviously in that scenario, I think the best bang for the buck is the Fender Pro 2 because um, – in, in my opinion, I'm not a huge, I love the ultras idea. I love the, uh, there's a couple of things about the ultra. I really like, I like, uh, the, the neck plate, right. Which I think is basically the same on the professional two. Now I like, I don't know if most people notice this, but the ultras neck is slimmer. The block is slimmer. So the actual neck is the uh, fretboard is closer to the body than normal fenders. So it's really slammed on the deck. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of the fender noiseless pickups, including the new ones. Uh, they're fine but they're not my cup of tea. Nothing wrong with them. Don't feel, you know, if you got one, be like, what, what Phil, what are you? Nothing. Just, it's not my preferred cup of tea. Um, so, uh, I like the professional too better because I like the professionals and I like the new colors and I like the price points of those. I think that's a, a sweet spot for fenders. You know, um, I have the Silver Sky. It's a really, really good guitar. It's one of those guitars that if, and some of you guys have one, you could probably relate to this. You get it and you can't figure out how you figured out how to get it. Like you got it. It was definitely some kind of, 
you know, moment where I, you impulse it and you get it. And then once you get it, you go, why did I have this? But it plays so good, you don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> it plays and sounds so good. It's a great sounding playing guitar. The only issue I have with it is, as great as it is, as good as it plays, as good as it sounds, I think there are guitars that are uh, that are comparable for a lot less money. At $2,300, you got to understand, it's almost a, not quite. It's about $700, $800 less or more than the uh, Professional 2 by Fender. So I personally think the Professional 2... Um, is uh, the best buy in those three ones. And it happens to be the cheapest. And that's not why I'm saying it's the best buy, by the way. I think it's the best buy because it's got a lot of bang for that for that price point, even though that price point's high. It's like 1500 bucks. That's not that's not cheap either. Um, uh, Manny Quinn says he didn't like the noiseless pickups in the Ultra. Yeah, you know, and again, so you know, it's not just the Ultra. I just, I've never been a big fan of noiseless single coil pickups. Like I've said, it's the DiMaggio HS3s, uh, that the, the ones that Ingve used, I like those. Um, you know, I, the ones that Mojo Tone were pretty good. But when I say pretty good, they were all good. They're just not my, I don't really have a problem. I'd rather use a noise gate at this point. There's something about them that doesn't sound, it's, they don't sound single coil enough for me. Um, Miles Terrell wants to know, do rosewood necks need to be oiled a few times a year like a fretboard? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I probably oiled the red strat rosewood neck, which I've had about a year or two once and that's it. And I think that's more than enough. So it wouldn't, I mean, obviously it's not going to hurt it, but uh, you know, I think once a year, same as your fretboard. I think once a year for your fretboard is more than enough as, as long as it needs it. So when I say once a year, I don't mean do it regardless. I mean, if it needs it, you do it. And if it doesn't need it, don't do it. But it should need it about once a year because it's usually some kind of changing of the seasons usually dries up everything. Okay. Go back over here. Um, Shut up. Let's talk says what up, Phil? with d's not what up what up phil uh i was offended that my buddy bought a prs for eighteen hundred dollars that had some tall frets 12 fret unplayable am i tripping well i don't know i mean it's not i don't know because you're not giving me a reference of what prs it was and when it was made uh i my understanding now is that they've changed the process and how they made the prs guitars again uh, and when I say now within the last year, say a year safe, um, they have always glued the frets in. I have, I'm trying to see if I've never experienced a tall PRS core fret. I don't think I have. Um, I might've experienced older ones, you know what I mean? Over time, you know, next move things, humps. but it happens. The, 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 the million dollar trick is not whether or not a guitar is bad or not. In other words, if you come across a bad guitar, the, the real trick is how many bad guitars you come across. Uh, I believe, and I ha just in my personal experience, uh, like the 80s era Japanese Ibanez's and, 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 and the American-made Jacksons of the 80s, where the necks were just really, really good. And I not just how they felt, but I mean, just the fret work would just dress so beautifully and, and no high frets and just really good craftsmanship. I believe the PRSs do that now. They do that great, great work. But I've seen bad stuff from prs for sure of course um it's just how much of it do you see i like i said it's not it's not going to be yours is going to be an exception to the rule of course of course 
Um, so, you know, I feel that way about Gibson too. Uh, a lot of people are like, Gibson's are horrible. I'm like, eh, you know, for the most part, the ones I've played have been good. <laughs> but yeah, there are bad ones. It's just our tolerance. Uh, your point in your, in your comment, which makes the most sense to me is it's $1,800. I find the dollar amount really affects how you feel about something. <laughs> So, like, if you would have said, "Hey, Phil, what's up? I got a Harley Benton for two fifty, and it had an unplayable fret," you'd be like, "Oh, that happens." But when you say eighteen hundred dollars, doesn't matter what brand it is. Doesn't matter if it's PRS. Doesn't matter if it's ESP. Doesn't matter if it's Ibanez or or Gibson. Eighteen hundred bucks. You're like, I shouldn't have drama. I shouldn't have problems, right? You should have a perfect guitar. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, and that's why it sucks. Uh, for dealers that have to, that, that dealers that carry high-end guitars, because in my opinion, if I buy an expensive guitar from a dealer and I have a problem, I expect them to take care of it. I expect them to take care of it, period. But if I spend two grand on a guitar, it, the phone call should go real simple. Hey, I got this guitar and it's got a high fret. No problem. We'll take care of it. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, not, okay, well, send it back to the manufacturer and if you get it back in six weeks, you're lucky. I'd be like, no. <laughs> So, yeah, I understand. I see where you're coming from. Uh, oh, man. You know what? I never got last time your phonetics how to say your name. So I'm going to say still say it's Wu-Tech. <laughs> it's probably still raw. Wu-Tech just did a super chat for no reason. But I appreciate that. But I'm pretty sure it would be really nice. Next time when you super chat me, if you super chat me again, I know this sounds dumb. Can you please put the phonetics on how to say a name so I'm not butchering it? If I'm not, I'm going to be pressed if I got it. Like I said, I think it's Wu-Tech. Mr. Fancy Hands says, Hey, Phil, how do GNL tributes stack up against Fender Mexican uh, uh, Ventura? And how do the GNL Americans stack up against Fender American? Cheers, mate. Um, uh, so, in uh, yeah. So, here's where we're going to go with this. Uh, I'll go off with experiences. That's all I can go off. Things I've touched. Um, in my in my experiences, the American GNLs are, are pretty sick. They're awesome. I really like them. Uh, compared to Fenders, if I was going to go for the win, I'd say I'd give it to GNL. Better fit and finish. GNLs, uh, for the most part, when you pick them up in are feel like music bands really polished out really good maybe not to that level because music bands got some really good stuff but very good so so you know i i consider it that and sometimes i think the american gnl stuff is as good as the fender custom shop stuff quality wise maybe even better again um gnl tribute versus the fender main mexico stuff i give the win to the main mexico stuff because the tribute stuff is really good i like it, it comes from court cortec out of indonesia and Cortec is a funny company because they make great stuff. You can pick up stuff from Cortec and it's as good as anything on the market, period. And if not better, and you're blown away. And then every once in a while you get a, a dud. Now, GNL goes through a lot of trouble. They sort through every guitar sent to Court and they have a buyback program with Court. So that's um, um, that's that's something I was there and confirmed while I was there. So GNL goes through every single guitar that's sent to them by Court and whatever they don't think is up to snuff, it gets reboxed. And then when they have a container full, they ship an entire container of GNLs back to Court Indonesia. Court credits their account and then ships them replacements. So they're they're pretty good at check, you know, getting some of the mistakes out of there. But I have still put my hands on a couple issue ones where you know frets were a little sprouted, things a little out of out of whack. But overall, pretty good stuff. Like I said, I really, really like the Gino guys. The Gino guys, in my opinion, they just don't know how to grasp the new world. They don't know how to, you know, they're like heritage. They're out there. They're they're huffing. They're 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 making a they're making a good guitar. They just don't know how to get us excited to buy it. I love my Gino. I don't know why I don't talk about it more. I think it's because again, it's a 
out of sight, out of mind. You know, fenders are just such a thing that's in, you know, we talk about so much because it's, you know, look at today when I did the announcements of what products came out. Who came out? Ibanez, Fender, the same companies, uh, same people always time promoting new products. So the panda says it's getting colder. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> where I live, we were complaining last night that it was cold. We had to turn on the heater in our house. And if I told you how cold it was outside, half of you guys would probably laugh and, and the other point would sigh in disappointment. Yeah, we turned on the heater. I think it was 60 outside. It was cold. Maybe it's 50. I don't know. It was cold. Uh, it says, don't forget to drink water uh, and stay hydrated. <laughs> oh, that's cool. This is an army guy. Uh, it says, uh, it says, uh, really enjoy the show. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for your service. I'm just assuming that uh, from the from the comment. Uh, Grumpy guitar. Grumpy Mike guitar. Grumpy Mike guitar. Did he change it again? Is it? Grumpy? I thought it was Grumpy guitar Mike. I, I think I get it wrong every week. Grumpy Mike guitar says, oh, look, my spark just arrived. And why not? Cheers. I think you'll enjoy the spark. It's a really good amp. Uh, I still I still like it. I still want to try the Yamaha, though. Just get it out of my system. Zach says, hey, Phil, I'm looking at getting either the Player Series Telecaster or the Ventura Telecaster. Is there a, is the Ventura worth the extra dough? I don't, I don't, unfortunately, I don't know. I haven't put my hands on them. I really like the Player Series, but it's not, to me, it would not be a quality difference. Okay. So, and that's not really what you asked, but that's the only way I can answer the question. If you were asking me uh, for quality, I would I would say, hey, look, man, either way you go, you're going to get the same quality. Both guitars seem to be really made really well. Both are made in Mexico. However, the Ventura is obviously uh, more accurate to vintage. And and I've said this many, oh, it's been many years probably. But let me tell you a Fender trick uh, if you guys don't know. Fender charges obviously for, you know, if it's made in China versus made in Mexico versus America, they have all those layers, of course, Squire versus, uh, you know, Fender brand. There's all these levels of how Fender charges people. But the thing that you will really understand if you, if you look at Fender, it makes a lot of sense. I don't care if it's, if it's the custom shop or if it's the American made product or if it's the made in Mexico product or if it's Squire, the more accurate Fender gets to the original product, the more they charge has nothing to do with cost, nothing nothing, <laughs> nothing. Get that out of your head. Doesn't make any, that doesn't make sense in their world. Apparently what I mean by that is take a 52 strat, the more fender, it doesn't matter if it's made in Mexico, if it's made in China or if it's made in the USA, the more, the, the more the guitar, well, let me just put it this way. The more that guitar is like a 52 strat, the more fender will charge for it, period. So if it has vintage tuning keys, that's a charge up. And if it has the original bridge, that makes, that's a charge up. And if it has the original style pickups, if it has, so think, do the math. If you follow that math, fender makes sense. Totally. Fender goes, Oh, you want lacquer? That's like it was originally. That's more. If you want, Oh, you want a vintage color? That's more. Oh, you want the vintage hardware? That's more. You want the vintage neck profile? That's more. You want a more yellowed neck so it looks like it originally did? That's more. The most expensive fenders will be the fenders that look the most and feel the most and play the most and sound the most to the original fenders. So vintage guitars. So when I think of the player series and the Ventura series, I don't look at it as Ventura is more money because it's more, it's better quality. It's just more like the original. That's it. That's the, that's a, that's a way to look. And the only exceptions that are like the ultras and stuff, when they do deluxes, they got to charge more because they, you know, they do some more specific things. But generally speaking, if you look at all the entire Fender lineup, 
that math will even like I said the squires will make sense the more it is like a vintage guitar the original the more it's going to cost you so there you go <laughs> vipers vipers pd2 says paying more money for less innovation yeah vintage yeah accurate of course remember what i was talking about earlier when we talk about the ingredients that's kind of where I got theories like that because I've noticed that people will charge you. Of course, does a company charge you more to do carbon fiber, you know, fretboards and stuff? Of course. But then the same logic applies to, you know, being more, less innovative. In other words, you know, doing stuff that's not as innovative has to cost more too, apparently. So now it's jumping. <laughs> Uh, so you guys know, uh, Sean just put a comment. He says, hey, Phil, uh, he bought three of the f uh, 50s uh, Ventura modified Telecaster uh, necks and uh, the brand new replacement ones, and they are fantastic. Yeah, again, my experience generally with Fender is a very good experience. Uh, Spyro's Sot says opinion on the pink taco versus dirty Shirley. He's talking about the 20 watt uh, Friedman heads. I preferred the dirty Shirley. I got rid of my PT, uh, the pink taco and got, and kept the dirty Shirley. Um, and I think I said this before I, I can argue, I could argue that I actually enjoyed, and I think I maybe did the pink tacos tone more. Like it was more of like a hot rotted plexi, you know, roaring kind of, I don't know why I say plexi, but hot rotted Marshall. It's just got that hot rotted Marshall and it was great. Um, in my, in my experiments with it, what happened was in the videos I saw before I purchased it, every channel or every person, it wasn't a lot of YouTube channels, but just reviews in general were like, oh, to get a clean tone, you just roll your volume back. In my experience, it wasn't a great clean tone rolled back. The Dirty Shirley doesn't have as much gain as I want. Okay. It's, it's close. It's got a lot of low end that I like, um, but I can clean it up so I can actually get use out of the thing. That was the problem with the PT is I feel like uh, the pink taco was all like, if you're going to play gain all the time, it was great. And if you need a little clean, it can kind of do it. But I'm the opposite. I need a lot of clean because I'm usually cleaned up on the guitar. And then I, you know, flip for dirty for, yeah. so the dirty surely just fit my, fit my needs better. Brian says, go for the JJ Jr. It's fantastic. The JJ Jr. is great because think about this. The uh, the um, the runt was my first Friedman, and I love the runt. The JJ Jr. is essentially the runt just with higher gain. So it's, I mean, that's that's what I liked about it is the runt had a great tone, but a little bit, it would have been nice if it had a little bit more push. Um, so the JJ is just the runt with just more more balls. Sounds great. Okay. Uh, okay, hold on a second. Uh, we have Lixpig. Lixpig says, just got a GNL ASAT for 800 bucks on reverb, butterscotch, seven, seven quarter, uh, radius fretboard. I'm assuming. Yep. It's a 97 perfect condition. The frets were dinged pretty bad. So I did my first ever crown and level turned out great. Awesome. Yeah. You can't beat that. American made GNL for 800 bucks. It's great. The, um, I, I, like I said, I like GNLs. They're, they're good scores, especially when you get good deals on them. They're great. They're even better. Like, you know, they're just out there. They're really good. Uh, Ryan says, what does he say? He says, uh, Ryan says, Hey Phil, what's your thoughts on the 5708 or 5909 pickups in the PRS CE? 
Uh, I've tried the 8515 pickups, but I'm looking at something new. Thanks. Sure. Uh, I, I actually like all three of those pickups. And so so what's interesting is why I like them. Maybe, maybe it will be interesting to you is what I mean. Um, the 5708s are obviously the lowest output pickups of the three. They're going to have the smoothest tone. So what I want you to picture in your head is plugging into a mid-gain amp like a Marshall or an amp that doesn't have a whole lot of overdrive, right? Imagine if you do the 8515s, you're going to get, you're going to have distortion. And if I was to pull out the 8515 and put the 5909, not changing anything else, the distortion would be a little cleaner. And by the time you get 5708, it's going to be really clean. You're not going to have that overdrive anymore. Um, now, if you're thinking about buying those pickups for your PRSCE, something to think about is you can buy different ones and mix and match. Um, I like the 8515 in the bridge. I like it in the neck too, but I like it in the bridge. A little, little something to kick it, right? And, and and you may have seen I did a video where, um, you know, Nathan made me a guitar. It's right there, and it has the metal in the in the bridge, which is a hotter eighty five fifteen. It's not the same, but you know what I mean. It's just even more hot than that. And then I have a fifty nine oh nine in the neck. So me, if uh, if you're if you're not loving the eighty five fifteens and you're thinking about getting something different. I would go 5708 in the neck and 5909 in the bridge. And that's, I believe, the combination I put in Tyler Larson from Music is Wind's guitar. And he's been playing the guitar ever since. He loves it. Um, I, I think that's a great combination. You get the sweet, warm, creamy tone from the neck, the 5708, and you get a little bit of push. I like the 5708s in both the neck and bridge. They're great. But... Sometimes I feel like, man, I love it. I just want a little bit more, just a little bit more out of the bridge. So the 5909 gives you that a little bit. So there you go. Hope that hope that answers the question or at least get you get you on the right right road. And yeah, Pondabaya something <laughs> says says the only problem with GNLs, uh, they don't hold value, but that means you get bargains used. Yeah, exactly. The, and, and it's, it's important to understand why they don't hold value. So, you know, this is something that's always kind of triggered me a little bit in the confusion, right? When I watch channels and like, yeah, GNLs don't hold value. They, they, you know, there's like a ton of videos out there like, oh, worst, or, you, you know, used price guitars or resale guitars. GNL always gets thrown in the, the, the mix. But no one explains why the GNL value is low. It's it's obviously partially a small part is because, like I said, advertising wise, they're not in the forefront like brands like Fender and stuff. But uh, it doesn't matter. The quality's there. So what's happening? Well, here's what's the problem with GNL. GNL, if you don't understand GNL, which is important to understand, that they're custom guitars. They don't say that. It's very confusing. So when you see a GNL, I want you to understand something that you can take a standard GNL, like an ASAT or an L500, you could take that guitar and compare it to, and let's just compare their, their standard unit, their standard GNL, ASAT, to a Fender Professional 2 Telecaster. A Professional 2 Telecaster comes in like what, eight different colors. I'm just throwing some numbers. If I'm wrong, just get me, you know, they're close, maybe six colors, six different colors and two different fretboards. They got maple fretboards and they got rosewood fretboards. The GNL ASAT for basically the same price will have like 30 color options. It comes in three different neck sizes. So you can get the thinner neck, the medium neck or the thicker neck. You can get like two or three radius fretboards. This is all like basically included. You can get 12 inch, you could get nine and a half, you can get seven and a quarter. You can get uh, different pickup options. So their option list is much more extreme than Fender's. 
So the problem with that is, is kind of like what Carvin and Kiesel went through before Kiesel kind of got its branding kind of tricked out like it is now. But remember Carvin, the biggest problem with Carvin was resale value was horrible, but we all knew why. Because essentially every Carvin used was somebody's dream guitar, but not your dream guitar. So you weren't going to pay the, 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 the full price for all those options, right? GNL's got the same problem. Sometimes you go online and you look at GNL in your head, you're thinking, um, you know, uh, you know, oh, it's 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 $1,500, but I don't want that color and I don't want that fretboard. There's just too many options. I told the GNL guys this when I did their uh, factory tour. I said, man, that's really impressive, but you understand you guys are literally competing with Fender Custom Shop, but everybody perceives you as Fender Production. And to give this some scope and power, I couldn't tell you how many guitars GNL makes a year in America, but I can tell you it's either less or not much more than Fender Custom Shop. So, so, you know, their volume's not up there with Fender. It's not even in the same range. Um, and how, I, how I'm guessing that, so you know, because that's a guess, is I, I, I do know what GNL's yearly average sales is because that's stuff you can find out. So I happen to know that. And I happen to know generally what Fender Custom Shop is. And Fender Custom Shop numbers are way higher than, than GNL. So, so literally, you don't realize it. Um, I tell my friends, my closest friends, which is now going to be you guys, because I'm telling you guys, if you are ever wanted a Fender Custom Shop guitar, but it just seems crazy to spend three to $10,000, go look at GNL. Go find a GNL dealer and get, go walk up to their counter and say, hey, you know, I want to order a custom GNL. My, I wish it was in the room, but you guys seen the video, I'll put a link to it. My Margarita GNL, the one I had built from GNL with all those crazy options stuff, that none of that was a custom, that is not a custom guitar. In the video, I even said it's custom because I had it custom made. Um, when I had that made, I said, okay, what's the, what's it going to be custom wise? And they go, well, you didn't pick anything out of this, out of the, the list. So it's not custom. So think about that. So you can get, you know, GNLs are essentially semi-custom to custom guitars for not custom prices. That is their ma marketing failure, in my opinion. They have done a horrible job. And I say that not as uh, this you know, channel and not as you guys, the gear guys. Uh, I remember the time the GNL rep came in my store trying to sell me GNL. And I was like, I'm not going to carry GNL because I got Fender. <laughs> I was a Fender dealer. I'm like, I got Fender. I don't need GNL. You know, Fender is how you, it's a license to print money in the music business. Everybody's coming in the store looking for a Fender. Um, and he's like, okay, but yeah, we make a better guitar than Fender. I'm like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and he left when i did the tour at gnl's factory the thing that hit me the most that day was wow i could have carried gnl and fender and sold gnl as essentially a higher tier product than fender because uh, i was a custom shop dealer so i was selling fender custom shops for five you know three to five grand I could have had, if I understood it better at that time, which I didn't, I could have had GNL in my store and told customers, hey, look, if you got five grand to buy a Fender custom shop, here you go. But if you want what Fender's offering is custom, GNL will do it for $1,800 to $2,500. So there you go. Hope that gives, I hope that spark, uh, sparks some of you guys to check into that and look, look. Um, and, uh, and there you go. Uh, V-Man says GNL's import series is their production line. Don't think, uh, you have many, uh, any options in them. Yes, that is their production line. Absolutely. Um, is, as far as, and again, I, it's been a year or so now since I've been there. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and think, so things can change even that short time, but I don't think they have, as far as I know, GNL doesn't make any guitars that aren't ordered. 
So, uh, and that's how PRS core works, by the way, too. You, you have to order PRS like as a dealer. Right. So not only, you know, do you have to have a custom order? No, but you got to order. I can't as a dealer. Dealers don't just call PRS and go, okay, send me three custom 24s. Send me, no, they got to go, okay, I want three custom 24s, one in this color with this neck. I want one in the color, this, and this one, and this, you know, right. You got to go through the spec sheets and order up stuff, dream up stuff. GNL is the same thing. You can't just go, okay, yeah, send me, you know, three different color GNLs. You got to order them up. What fretboards do you want? What, what, uh, you know, because uh, uh, there's like four different types of fretboard materials for GNLs, I believe. Um, there's rosewood, there's uh, maple, there's ebony, and then there's uh, Chechen. So there's different fretboard materials. So it's, uh, it's a little tricky. Uh, Lixpick said, if I could only choose between my GNL Tribute ASAT or my USA Tele, I'd choose the GNL uh, only downside is the gloss neck on the tribute. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I understand that. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, I I can relate. Sometimes, to me, that's that's the big thing, right? Don't you hate it when you love a guitar, the quality of the sound, and then all of a sudden there's like this one thing, like a glossy neck or a satin neck that you don't love. It's uh, it's frustrating. Let's sand it. <laughs> Uh, the convert says I missed his super chat. Uh, it's possible. I kind of leave super chats. Like I said, I try to stay into the, uh, in the, uh, feed. And then I, I, I like to rely on the fact that the super chats are there so I can hit them when I need them. Um, so I will, I'm sure there's a bunch I missed. Let's see the convert. Let's find you. Okay. Give me a quick second. There you are, buddy. Uh, it says, uh, hey, hey, Phil, that's me. <laughs> it says, never played active pickups looking at the LTD Glenn Tipton Viper. What should I expect from active pickups? Um, they're going to be quiet. No, no noise. A lot of, uh, a lot of, you're going to feel like the amp is just on fire. Uh, uh, here's what I can tell you. If you, if you, uh, if you, if you're ever curious about active pickups and, um, you can always use a boost pedal. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I feel like active pickups are essentially just have, have built in boost. That's the best way to explain it. If I had to explain it without, you know, touching or showing anything, like I don't have a guitar to show you or a way, to, you know, I just have to convey it with words. Uh, I want you to, I bet you, not, I want you to, I bet you, you could take, let's say to keep things easy, you could take the same guitar, that Viper with a JB and a jazz pickup from Seymour Duncan, very easy. And that same guitar now with 8185 and plug them in the same amps. And what would you expect to hear different? I bet you, if you took a, just a regular boost pedal, just a normal boost pedal, there's tons out there, uh, and, and put it in the chain. And I bet you, if you, you, uh, played the EMGs, then you switch the, the Seymour Duncans and then turn on the boost and turn the knob, you could find a spot where the Seymour Duncans with the boost pedal sound the same as the actives. There's a little bit more sustain and more stuff going on because boosting it from the source is a little different than boosting it in the chain. Um, so there's, that's what it is, but that's what it's going to feel like to you. It's going to feel like a little bit of a boost, but it's like I said, no noise. It's going to be a little quieter than the boost pedal will be. So there you, I think you'll like it. I like active pickups. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I just don't love active pickups. So that's that's why I don't have so many active pickups in my guitars. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I, I, I try to have as many different pickups and guitars. I don't really tend to, you know, there's players that, that they buy 20 different guitars over time and they have the same set of pickups in every guitar. That's not me. All my guitars have radically different pickups because I'm trying to get radically different tones. Uh, 
for all kinds of reasons, for collection reasons, but mostly like inspiration reasons, you know, plugging a leg at night when you're doing some recording, trying to find something to spark you in a different way. Um, Jovia Panda 2020 says, I'm just sorry, just, just, I know, I'm like, there's a lot of pandas going on today. Anyways, Panda 2020 says, hey, Phil, you're the best. You're the best because you put 2020 in your, your sign on, which is a very risky thing. It says, uh, it says, okay. It says, um, you reviewed both. Wait, you're the best. You've reviewed both and they're the same price. Which would you choose? The PRS SE Paul's guitar or the PRS has hollow body standard. Oh, okay. So that's a great question because I think the Paul's guitar sounded better. I like the PRS hollow body more. There you go. It's not going to help you. I can tell. <laughs> what would I get? The PRSSE hollow body. That's what I would get. Um, you know how I know? Because it's always easy for me to explain it this way. I didn't keep the PRS Paul's guitar. I ended up selling it to a uh, to a, a patron, and I used the funds to get another PRS guitar. Um, I really like that guitar. I like the core more. <laughs> but I couldn't get the core. So I, 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 I like the PRS SE and I was hang, hanging out a patron, hanging out. One of my patrons like, hey, have you ever sell that guitar? Let me know. And it just so happened I had something on my crosshairs and I'm like, okay, that guitar has got to go. And uh, so here's why I say this. The PRS SE, I still have. I still like it. The only thing I don't like about my PRS SE, and I'll say this every time, is that my buddies that come over, which I'm going to call out now, Eric and Ralph especially, but also other buddies when I compared my SE Paul, uh, PRS guitar hollow body to my core hollow body, everyone likes to tell me, well, the truth, which is the SE sounds better. It does. I don't know why it sounds better. It just does. I just like the core because it feels a little different. And I like the way it looks. And it's a good guitar. And I love it. <laughs> but I like my PRS SE. And I can honestly tell you guys, if you guys want a review of that, I talked about doing a comparison of the two reviews. And then I, I talked myself out of it because I'm like, I don't know. Do you really compare these two guitars? They're so exceptionally different in price points. But realistically, um, the, the, you know, where, where, they're, where they're fair, where, the, where, the, where that video would be fair is both guitars, to me, are so exaggerative in the pricing. <laughs> they're so obnoxious. They're very expensive for what they are both of them but uh i really like them but the se hollow body is just a great guitar um the only and then on the side note just because i should clear it up for you but then i'm going to throw this into the wrench just because i was you know I apparently i'm not helpful uh i will say that one thing about the se that does appear uh, a hollow body that does suck is i feel like you can find a really good made in china hollow body guitar for less money where i don't think you can buy a much better inexpensive paul's se guitar <laughs> but there hope that <laughs> I had that probably helped you and then it just ruined it again I don't know why anybody would ask me what I think but thank you Jovia Panda Panda 2020 Matthew Perkins says is there a purpose to the fretboard inlays aside from decoration uh is there a purpose to fretboard inlays besides and I'm assuming uh you mean besides dots you know when they put in block inlays or birds or uh there's the purpose of the dots obviously are to tell you what the frets are so you know where three five seven uh you know uh nine 12 are it just helps you reference you know where you are on the fretboard uh, of course but uh you know when they are ornate uh just it's decoration no that's it decoration just trying to be something fun 
Uh, Danny says, glad I got to catch the podcast live working and on a knockoff jazz master. The bridge system is one of the most confusing things I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a pretty stupid design. <laughs> if you haven't seen one, it just kind of sits in there and it, lo it looks, here's what I can tell you, Danny, if you're working on it, it looks broken. That's right. <laughs> the first time I, I'll, I'll share an experience. So you don't feel bad. The first time I ever worked on a jazz master, I thought it was broken. I can't remember how long ago that was. It was it felt like a different lifetime, but I was convinced it was broken. <laughs> I was like, there's a piece missing. I was convinced there's a piece missing to the bridge. It's broken. It's falling apart. <laughs> so, because, you know, I was familiar with the concept. Think about this. I was very familiar with the concept of like a, a bridge, like a, what's on that Gretsch right there, where it's held down by the strings against the body, right? A floating bridge, so to speak. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, right? I understood that. Just never, con never, I was like, why is it rocking? And I'm like, how can it intonate if it's moving? Why is this broken? Where are the pieces? And then I started, I think I started trying to shove like a piece of rubber into the holes and like trying to fix it. And this is, um, and give you a reference of time. This is pre watching a YouTube video. I mean, there wasn't even YouTube. It didn't exist. And I think you could probably, oh, oh, I'm going to date this. Holy crap. I, I went on the internet and asked Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i feel so embarrassed to say that out loud yeah i went on ask jeeves um with my and none of this is exaggerating i swear i went on ask jeeves with my free uh dial up <laughs> that i got remember when you used to get the free uh aol <laughs> so you could get free aol and i got free aol uh internet and i went on ask jeeves and uh and uh, I don't know if I remember finding the answer or not. I just remember having to do that because I was like, oh, I could do that. It felt so sophisticated. Um, and I figured it out. But so, you know, if you're working on it, yeah, don't don't feel bad. It's a disaster of a, a design. All right. Uh, and look, Pandabaya. Pandabaya. Right? A lot of pandas today. Pandabaya. Is that the third panda? Yeah, there's the panda. Dude, you guys hanging out together? Right? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, what else? Hold on. <laughs> I got to get back to, uh, the panda here. Hold on. Where'd the panda go? It didn't move. It moved. I lost panda. All right. Uh, let's see. Hold on. This thing just jumped again. So give me a second, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, Panda Bias says, what do you think of Wazacraft Tone Bender? I only saw what you guys saw. Uh, some YouTube videos. I, as my understanding, it didn't even come out until February. I am not on any of those lists. <laughs> Whatever list that is that gets YouTubers like uh, the Fender guitars or the Boss pedals or any of that stuff that, you know, where they want to mass market to 20 channels or whatever. I don't, I don't get on any of those lists. I don't, I don't. You know, not, not in a negative way. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I just don't. There's no, uh, I don't know how uh, they get on the list. Uh, and, and um, but so, yeah, I found out about it like everybody else found out about it. Like literally, um, I was like, I saw a video. And I'm like, oh, the tone bender. Um, what do I think? Uh, I'm a boss fan. So I like boss pedals. I like them. I don't know what it is. So I'm pretty sure I'll like it. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not the hugest Waza fan, but I have a bunch of Waza pedals. So uh, I'm sure at some point I will get my hands on one and try one. And if I do, I'll do a video of it, I'm sure, because it'll make sense. 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, I'm, I love the way it looks and I love the idea. I, I love the idea. I think I like that. It's uh, to me, it's a, it's a sign of growth for boss to do something different. Isn't it funny that boss is a company to give you a, a concept of this boss to be, to change, to adapt, to be different to themselves. They are reissuing things and copying things, which usually was not their thing, but now they're trying it. It's smart. It's good. It's good. It's good to be adaptive and interesting. Uh, Raymond, uh, Raymond says, have a Red Bull vodka on me. And then he wants to know, oh, have I have play any neural DS, DSPL. I have no idea what that is. Is that the unit? <laughs> it's a hor- horrible answer, but that's what it is. Uh, Snick Juice uh, says, thank you for Friday streams. They're truly great for those times when you don't want to do any work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great if you don't want to do work. <laughs> this will definitely help you not do work. Oh, okay. Wu-Tech says it's pronounced Votech. And uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, uh, Jacob King says, I'm practicing more this year and wearing out my frets. Yep, will switching the stainless steel guitar for practice handle the extended practice better? Uh, well, the stainless steel frets will not wear out. Uh, I have not ever had to crown or level a set of stainless steel frets. Now, keep in mind, part of that is because, uh, you know, they haven't been around that long. You know, the first guitars to get stainless that I ever worked on were the Parker's. Uh, they had stainless steel frets. And then, of course, the original American-made Wolfgangs, and as far as I know, they still do, but they had them. So you started to see them kind of poke in. Um, but now they've been out on the market for 10 years, 15 years. I mean, in the market, meaning uh, relatively out there, you know what I mean, besides just on some exotic guitars. And uh, I still haven't had to uh, do them. Uh, what I will tell you is uh, my Mira, my my main guitar, the guitar I, I play all the time, I wore the frets on that guitar out. That's a 2013 Mira. I wore the frets out on that uh, last year. So November of last year, I can't remember about this time last year, I refretted it and I refretted it with stainless steel frets. So yeah, if you want to never have to work on frets again or worry about them, get stainless steel. You'll be fine. Uh, Sasha did a super chat and gave me a super sticker and it's a fat bird. Uh, all right. Tracy says, uh, Phil, thank you for your channel. It has helped my guitar shop become a better shop. Man, that's cool. That's that's a that, uh, if you need anything, let me know. I will. Uh, that's that's very cool. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. That's like one of those things. I I mean, I don't know what to do. That's a too too big of a compliment to take, I think. But thank you. Uh, Legacy Magic says, any experience with comparison guitars? Only experience with comparison guitars is uh, I did a video on how do you say and uh, 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 Courtney, uh, was it Courtney Cox? No, it wasn't. Who was it? Yeah, it was Courtney Cox. She did the how do you say comparison with me. Um, And I think I picked one up at the booth and played it. It was great. I just, you know, no experience with it. Um, it's, It's, they look cool. I think they sound good. Obviously, the one I picked up felt good. But yeah, it's just off guitar that's just, you know, not been on my radar. Um, when Sweetwater started carrying them, I thought it'd be like maybe a thing. Maybe I'll, I'll think about getting one. But I, then I kind of got, you know, distracted. So now maybe I'll think about it again. Scott says, uh, pretty sad I have to do a super chat to get your attention. I guess. <laughs> says, was interested in your opinion on buying a Fender Hot Rod or the LPD pedal. Um yeah, I'm sorry you had to do Super Chat to get my attention. I, I don't control that, unfortunately. I try. Uh, but I will tell you, Scott, what I do, and I don't think it's a secret, is if you're early, 
that's why I answer the first questions you saw. I try to do the first. If you haven't figured this out, I try to do at least the first five to 10 questions are the early people. So if they don't have time uh, to do a super chat, the rules are really simple. They're not rules, but the guidelines. If you have something really interesting I see and it catches my eye, I try to talk about it. If it's super chat, usually in my experience is super chats are gonna be an interesting subject because if you're gonna put a dollar or $5 or whatever it's gonna be, you're you're gonna actually put something interesting forward. Um, so sorry, Scott, I apologize for that. Um, but uh, anyways, back to your question, let's get on that. It says opinion on buying a Fender hot rod or an LPD pedal. Um, well, they're different things, right? So, I mean, obviously the hot rod amp's a great amp. I really, really like it. Um, I would put an LPT pedal into a hot rod. That was really, a, you know, what's funny is I, a while back I had a hot rod. I, I don't know why I ever got rid of it. It's one of those things where I just cycled out of it. Um, and it was one, one of the amps I use in all the videos. And at one point on the channel, I was using like the 68, uh, LPD through the hot rod was like the mainstay uh, that I was playing through all the time. And then that turned into 68 till into my Princeton. And that's pretty much where I still live now is the LPD 68 into my Princeton is the main thing. And then sometimes I toggle out the 68 for the uh, love pedal plexi. But at this point, getting the love pedals are a little tricky. They're, they're uh, not super expensive, but they're a little hard to find and they're all pricey for, for what they used to be. Um, but I, I don't know. I like the LPD pedal. I mean, but I, I hate questions like this because I'm friends with Lawrence <laughs> and I like his stuff. So of course I'm going to be like, yeah, it's great stuff. Um, I have an LPD pedal. I don't have a hot rod. So I could say that's the logic, but you do need an amp. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about with this is you, you know, if you went the pedal, I would definitely want an amp to run it through. So if it's a choice between an amp or a pedal, I would get the amp if that's the choice. Um, John says thoughts on the, uh, PVHP2, that, uh, moonburst finish. Um, we talked about this last week. Somebody asked me about the HP2s. Those are the, those are the PV guitars that they're using some of the old parts that they had from Wolfgang's, uh, to make guitars. I have a PV Wolfgang right there. I really like it. It's a really cool guitar. Um, that's my thought. <laughs> it's a really cool guitar. Um, if I didn't have a PV Wolfgang, I would probably consider the HP2. But to be honest with the guitar, I think I, I really would love to have next is the Access by Music Man. But, you know, same thing. It's kind of an expensive guitar and and it's hard to justify anything that's not for the channel at this point. Uh, Doc Crayon says, if calluses on your fingertips causes discomfort, remember the medicinal properties of Motrin and a bottle of water, not effective change your socks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. I will change my socks. <laughs> That's probably, you know what's sad is? His name's Doc Crayon. It's got to be, it's got to be legitimate advice, right? I mean, it makes sense. Um, that's, as someone though, that was in the army, it's like instinctive for me for ibuprofen. Everybody understands this, right? In the army, it was like, it was 200 milligrams. I'm trying to remember. Like anytime you went and so they were like, oh, take 200 milligrams of ibuprofen. And then if that wasn't good, then the next time you saw them, they're like, oh, we'll take 400 milligrams of ibuprofen. <laughs> In my head now, that's how I think. It's like, it's, it branded me too young. Anytime I have any pain or discomfort, I go get a 200 milligram ibuprofen. And if that doesn't work, then the next time I do four. <laughs> so it's probably dumb. Some of you guys are going to say, don't do that. But it's, that's, what, uh, that's what the army did. They trained you <laughs> to think things. Stay off the grass, take ibuprofen. Uh, 
Nick Patterson says, hey, Phil, traded a 52 American vintage Telecaster for my 1975 Fender P-Base in black. Replaced the bridge and nut, but original finish. How did I do? Well, you know, a 19, I had a 1974 P-Base, and, um, you know, it's a piece of history. I'm not a huge... Uh, now, when you're saying you traded a 52 American vintage Telecaster, I'm assuming you mean the reissue, <laughs> right? So, yeah, because American vintage. Um, I mean, obviously, you traded a guitar for a bass. I think you're a bass player now. <laughs> so the other thing is, uh, it's a piece of history. Look, I'm not a huge vintage guitar fan, but I do appreciate what vintage guitars are, which are pieces of history, like we talked about uh, earlier with the ingredients thing. So it's cool. What's great is this. Anytime you buy investment-wise, a vintage piece of gear is a better investment. It's finite. You can't get them. You can always buy another American 52 vintage reissue Telecaster. Fender will keep making that stuff forever. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's my opinion. How'd you do? You did good. You got a, you got a good, uh, good investment. Uh, let's see. Somebody said just use morphine. All right. On that note, I'm going to call it. I may, I need to maybe check one more chat. Because as you guys know, I try to try to answer all the super chats, um, which is always what puts us in overtime. Uh, okay, James Anderson says, since we're all gonna die when the sun explodes, should I just buy a '62 reissue Jazzmaster and put it on the credit card? Look, I always say the rule on the channel is if you ask us if you should buy a guitar, you should. Uh, yeah, it, barring yes, the sun exploding. I, I here's the only advice where this is probably not going to be the traditional advice I give. Um, I have a feeling that the creditors will come for that debt on your credit card before the sun explodes. I'm just guessing. So if you're, if your plan is to put it on your credit card and then the sun explodes and you don't have to pay for it, I don't think that's the best plan I've heard today. <laughs> but if your thought is you should live in the moment and it, and if it, you have to work a little harder, pay off the credit card and get something you love. I say, man, treat yourself. If, if you can do it, look, anytime you're not hurting yourself physically or financially uh, or emotionally, I think you should do it. Why not? We, we literally live in, 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 in this environment of channels like this. We literally are a bunch of people talking about doing something that really has no, it doesn't hurt anybody, right? Playing music is the best drug on the planet earth. It's absolutely true. Um, I didn't even come up with that. I've heard it a thousand times from a thousand people. And of course, I, I say it the same way they say it. It makes sense. Playing music has saved my life. That's a fact. Playing music has made me a better person. That's a fact. Um, playing music has literally done everything, every great thing that ever happened in my life. I could probably attach to music in some way. And so for the love of music, I'm now into the guitars and music playing and pedals and amps and whatever else. So yeah, uh, no, man, this is not a, uh, I don't think you should ever worry about doing something that is going to improve your life. Um, my wife and I have a policy uh, when it comes to uh, birthdays and, and holidays, Christmas and stuff like that, which is we will not buy anybody a gift that doesn't improve their life. Um so many of my family members, not so much my friends, really don't seem to like the policy. Um, my wife came up with it. I thought it was a great thing, so I follow her lead with it. Um, so basically, uh, if it if it improves your life, that's what we kind of spend our money on for gifts. I think that's smart. Um, so back to you, buddy. If it's going to improve your life, if you're going to feel better for it, if you can afford it, here's where it won't improve your life. And I don't want to be all serious about this, but it's important. Um, 
if if you if you put it on the credit card and you can't afford it, you won't improve your life. The stress from that will outweigh the joy from the guitar. My 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 personal experiences have been that way. All right. I hope that helps. <laughs> on that note, we're gonna end this this today. I covered everything that I wanted to. Um, pretty much <laughs> we went into definitely extra long innings uh, as you guys know uh, thank you guys so much for your time uh, I will let you know uh, when I do the hot ones challenge thing uh, since I got the sauces now please if you guys hung out this long you are definitely uh, heavy fans of the channel or at least huge supporters of the channel I appreciate you guys it's a long time to hang out and talk about guitar stuff especially listening to me talk about guitar stuff I want you to uh, remind you that Sunday I have a very special video. This video is very special to me um, because it also cost me a good chunk of change and I don't think the video is going to even break even on its best scenario. That's not why I'm asking you to watch it. I'm asking you to watch it because it's near and dear to my heart. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's something I thought would be too crazy to do. And uh, I hope you enjoy it and I'll uh, be, be ready for it on Sunday. And on that note, I will let you guys go. And have a great weekend. Till the next time, uh, I guess I could say uh, thank you for your time and know your gear.